Hello and welcome to episode 58 of the Cadaver Lab Podcast. I'm Mike, and uh, with me is Johnny. What's up, my man? What's up, dude? Dude, this week we are going to be talking about urban legends, man. And not the movies, <laughs> thankfully. You know what's funny is, uh, I mean, I, I, you say movies, I remember there only being one movie. Uh-huh. But I've, I've, I mean, I, I just have only seen one movie. Well, and, you're lucky. Uh, that was the best one. Well, and the, yeah, because I mean, wasn't uh, Robert England in it as a professor or something like that? And I, you know, I'm not saying it was good. I'm just saying, I mean, it was okay. But it came out right in the middle of all those uh, like uh, scream, scream wannabes. And man, that was just a terrible time. And Brad Dourif. Yeah, he was uh, the gas station attendant. Yeah, you know, it was awesome. I can't even believe that I that, that that even came to my mind. It's been so long. And I remember there was a whole joke about that one girl who was in the Noxzema commercials or whatever. Do oh, yeah. even know who that is anymore? Well, yeah, she killed a kid a few years back. She, what? She was driving on her cell phone and she killed a kid in Los Angeles. Like, she hit him and killed him. <laughs> and, uh, no, I'm not joking. <laughs> well, I'm not it, laughing. It, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, she uh, got tried for it and everything, but I think at the end they made her do like community service or something oh you're kidding me yeah and then like uh earlier this year or late last year her and her boyfriend who apparently is on Grey's anatomy or something had some kind of sex tape wow i'd go looking for that it will it was a threesome it was two girls and him so there's some other girl in that too wow but apparently it was like some kind of court order kept it from having uh release because i think vivid video was trying to release it Oh, are you serious? Not that I shouldn't. I don't know a whole lot about I, this. I was gonna say you don't. You you know a heck of a lot about this. I didn't research this. But uh, no, we picked some awesome flicks for this episode. Um, what do we got? Uh, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. We got uh, Candyman, and then we have one that I'd never even really heard of till you went to Texas Frightmare, which is Blood Night, The Legend of Mary Hatchet, which I'm pretty stoked to talk about actually. Oh yeah. But uh, all the music for this episode brought to you by the Burt Bacharach Fight Club. Go to cadaverlab.com and there's in the show notes. I'll put up a link for those guys. But uh, that's uh, Johnny Johnny T from uh, good old England. Did we get any calls about the uh, emo thing? Uh, yeah, we did. In fact, uh, we got a hilarious call about that. I can't. Oh. I can't even wait to play that. Actually. <laughs> Oh, man, I, you know what? When I listen to that, because usually uh-huh. I listen to the the beginning segments of the show, uh-huh. and I don't, I don't listen to our part so much because, you know, we, we've heard it. We lived it. Exactly. But the uh, when I listened to that emo part back from the last episode, I was like, uh-huh. oh, man, we're going to get freaking, <laughs> just someone's going to send us a nasty <laughs> message <laughs> were, about this. Were we mean? Because I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm, was, like, more naive than anything. Well, it wasn't mean. I think... I don't know. I think, I think if you're an emo kid, we were mean. Well, if you're an emo kid, you know you probably think that uh, everyone in the world's being mean to you, anyways. Oh yeah. Oh. Like <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's weird. We did get we did get a funny as heck uh, voicemail though. Uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, we got a donation. Oh sweet man. Want want to thank Shane? You know what's you know what's funny. Is uh, about last April, I've uh, we I signed up for a company uh, with a company called DreamHost, and they give you your first year free, but then after that, it, it you know it's X amount a month, and uh, you know I I'm all the way paid through July 
through with uh, just with uh, recent donations. Let me let me ask you a question, and that's awesome. I'm glad. No, I I, I just want to say I really appreciate it, man. Oh, oh, that's awesome. I mean, that's great. I mean, we're so thankful for that. Did you say Dream Hose? I did. Um, dream Hose. It's a. <laughs> it sounds like an escort service. Dream Host. Oh, awesome! <laughs> you know, speaking of that, <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm getting over a cold that I've got, and so you might, I'm gonna have to edit out some coughing. But me but, too. Uh, so you know, and, and I hope this isn't a really old joke because it's new to me. But uh, so I got busted about uh, this week somebody played the, the worst joke on me and i totally fell for it and it's totally embarrassing but i'm going to talk about it anyway so i'm at work some guy comes up and starts talking to me about uh something you know it, we happen to be talking about like conspiracy theories that day at work yeah we get a lot of shit done at work we, <laughs> we sit around and talk about conspiracy theories and stuff. <laughs> take naps <laughs> oh yeah oh dude hey watch, watch movies for the show like i did today anyways that's awesome anyway so uh uh, he comes up to, we went out to lunch, we get back, and he goes, oh, dude, you know what? I, uh, <laughs> there's actually a great resource on this type of stuff that we've been talking about all day. It's at, uh, penisland.com. So go check that out. So, <laughs> so I go. I already, I already know what that is. Well, I'm an idiot. I put it in. Sure enough, I'm on penisland.com. <laughs> Oh man, it's <laughs> so awesome! So, so you know, I, I laugh it off, you know, because it, uh, it was it's a hilarious joke. You get to work. I mean, obviously, I felt like a dumbass, but I I don't think I could tell someone to go to that website with a straight face. Dude, and the funny thing is, is he made it like seem so legit. He's like, uh, you uh, you know, remember Paul from the first few episodes? Oh yeah, it was that jackass. Oh nice, <laughs> that's a good one. You, know, you could also go to pin15.com. Uh, yeah, that's, or, or go to the pin15club.com. Actually, uh, <laughs> or, the, uh, or the the pen is mightier than the sword.com. <laughs> <laughs> the penis mightier than the sword. So, dude, you've been uh, watching any good flicks besides this one, or or any uh, other horror stuff to talk about? Dude, I've been watching so much crap. I mean, I can't, I can't even remember, man. I've been watching so much stuff from Netflix. Uh-huh. Oh, it's um, awesome. I, honestly, I watched uh, Dario Argento documentary last or two nights ago it was called an eye for horror that was really cool oh cool they had a uh, john carpenter and like uh, george romero on there it was really neat and uh, it was only like 50 minutes long but it's probably uh-huh. one of the better documentaries i've seen about a horror director oh cool because i tried to make it i tried to make it through the the Fulci one but it's really hard to understand a lot of those people well they're italian and it's four hours long well dude it's, come on it's like four, four hour documentaries? Come on. That's okay. Yeah, if you can understand what the hell people are saying. I guess that's true. <laughs> They're like, I don't know what I get with uh, the Fulci. I'm like, come on. <laughs> uh, and that was like the worst Italian accent I've ever heard. Well, actually, um, <laughs> in Shaun of the Dead, uh, Edgar Wright, the director, uh-huh. this, the scene where he's going to make reservations at the restaurant, the Italian accent on the phone is Edgar Wright, and he says how that's the worst Italian accent because he's like, uh, think of a car in the Fulci's because the restaurant's Fulci's. <laughs> so apparently, I, me and Edgar Wright have something in common. I bet that's only the only we thing. We both suck at Italian. We're both we're both awesome too. So, oh uh, well, if you put it that way, <laughs> uh, dude, I got a movie called. Uh, I'm friends with a uh, a uh, on Facebook, so I mean. 
basically on Facebook, that means there's people that I know who they are, and then there's like most of the people I have no clue who they are, but we're friends on Facebook somehow. But uh, it was uh, her name was Elska McCain. Have you heard of her? What? You, yeah, dude. Guess what? I I uh, bought her movie um, Jessica Rabbit, and I watched that last night. I tried to get a copy of that from her. Didn't, and did, didn't work. Why not? I don't know. She said, if anybody wants a free copy, let me know if you want to review it on their show. And I was like, oh, well, I'm from the Cadaver Lab, and we like to do it. I never heard anything. <laughs> well, uh, I just want to say that, um, <laughs> well, the premise is really screwed up. But I'm just saying, if you like her, and when I say that, I mean, if you like her. Oh, I like do. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, yeah. She she is, uh, just go through her. Oh, she's awesome. I don't even, she, sure. I won't even go into detail. She's awesome. She uh, she's coming to the Salty Horror Film Festival in November. I saw that. That is an awesome addition. That kicks. Um, I am stoked for that. I'm gonna say, hey, will you? It's actually already signed, but I may have her sign um, her breast for me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, my what? I'm gonna come. I'm gonna fly out just to get her sign my breast. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Speaking of that, man, Kruger Nation. I haven't seen one in a while. What's going on? Oh man, <laughs> I really need to get one out. I mean, I. Uh... I don't know. I'll get one out. Oh, right. That, yeah, uh-huh. Promises, I have, promises. I have two of them filmed. I just have to edit the damn things. So, uh, what was it? What was the contest? I don't mean to hurry and switch subjects, but... Uh, the one no, we just had? I don't want to forget. Yeah, because Spooky Bill, I sent his crap out to him. He got it. He's an awesome dude. What was the contest? The contest was uh, Spot Lucky McKee in oh, the Woods right. in May, and you have to let us know where he was in those. All right, his... so where was he in the woods? In the woods, he was in the hospital. He was one of the patients when she wakes up in the hospital. Oh, okay. And he was there for, like, two seconds. You know, because I recognize him as being the dude making out in the elevator in May. Yeah. And, so, but, uh, no, that's cool. That's awesome. Thanks for playing, Spooky Bill. Hell yeah. That's why you play the cadaver lab. And he was the only one to guess. I mean, I mean, he and he was right, but that was really cool. I mean, we need to get other people to guess. <laughs> Yeah, we had uh, we actually had um, uh, Gracie's Poppy make a uh, PSA for the for the forums that we're oh, gonna play. Dude, he I'm serious. That guy is a freaking trooper, man. He's been busting his ass getting people to that forum. Are you serious? Oh, he is like he's gotten on Twitter and told people like get your and like I'm not even censoring. He's like get your fucking ass over to the Cadaver Lab forums. <laughs> like seriously, I mean. That dude has really been working hard. I'm I'm really appreciative of uh, what he's doing. Well, that's awesome. Is it working? Yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean the forums are blowing up now. Really? I guess maybe I'll <laughs> go over there now I know. and check I mean, them out. You... Now that now that it's worthy of me visiting them, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like you build a kingdom for the king. We're we're we're, <laughs> we're 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 building this for you. If you ever say that to me again, I will literally punch you in the balls. <laughs> Come on! Take your drink. So, isn't no, that a drinking no. game? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I need to, I need to help people out a little more. Anytime uh, Mike says he'll punch me in the balls, someone takes a drink. Uh, I'm not even gonna tell you my excuses for not going. It's the same ones. Oh, dude, you know what? Hey, I actually there were a few weeks when I wasn't able to get on there as much, and, and it happens. You know, it's not a big deal. All right, man. Thanks. So you don't want me on there? Like, like it's not as good of a. No, we want you on there. It hey, thanks a lot. You don't need to change your mind now. You know, okay, so one one last thing I want to talk about before we we get into the the, the show. 
Um, and this is for those of you who are going to be in the Salt Lake City area. Um, on June 19th, we're doing the Salty Zombie Pub Crawl. Uh, basically what it is, we're going to start it at uh, a cafe uh, called the Bayleaf Cafe. Bring your canned food for the Utah Food Bank. We're going to move on to a pub. And then uh, we're going to end it off at uh, Burt's Tiki Lounge to see Die Monster Die and uh, Simi Agreed. I just want to say, listen, if you listen to the show and you're from Utah, you freaking need to go to this. Go to SaltyZombies.com and check it out. Because me and hopefully Ferguson will be there. I'm going to I'm gonna ride his ass, like literally. Dude, I'm going like, to fly out just for you and Ferguson. Dude, and and then <laughs> I, I am really going to try to get him to come. In fact, he he, he better not even, if he can't go to that. I'm going to drive up to Logan, and I am going to kick him in the balls. Do people have to take a drink for that one? What are the dates for that? Uh, it's June 19th. It starts at 6 p.m. Go to SaltyZombies.com. Pardon me, and it has all the um, has all the details there. But seriously, if you're around here, and if you're you know anywhere near it, you got to come. It's going to be a fun time. All right, man, so you ready to get into some voicemails? Hell yeah. Let's do it. Hey Mike, hey Johnny, this is Stace from Creepy Kitchen. Uh, it's 4.30 in the morning and I'm sick as a dog and uh, was listening to your random movies episode and wanted to thank you for helping me to get through a particularly unpleasant and cat experience. Uh, I was talking about, or I wanted to call in and talk about your guys' uh, segment with Stephen from uh, JFMP, which is awesome by the way, I love, I love the new format of the show. And anyway, who doesn't like it can, I don't know, suck my dick. Anyway, um, you guys are talking about Mr. Sardonicus, which is my personal favorite of uh, the William Castle movies. And the punishment poll at the end was not for the hero, and it was for Mr. Sardonicus himself, because he's uh, basically a raging asshole through the entire film. And so at the end, the audience gets to vote to see if he gets his comeuppance or uh, if mercy is shown upon him and uh from what i've heard they've showed it a couple times on like amc and stuff like that there is no alternate ending william castle only filmed one version because he was pretty confident that mr sardonicus was so reprehensible that nobody was going to vote to save him and from what i've heard he was right so (laughs) every time i see it i definitely don't vote mercy for the little asshole anyway it's uh like i said it's 4 30 i want to go to bed and in theory, uh, grasp this thing that people call sleep. So, thanks, guys. Awesome show. Keep it up. Uh, I'll call back later. I don't know something profoundly obscene. Bye. First of all, I think raging asshole is a disease that uh, I caught once, <laughs> and and I did not like it. But I did sound a lot like how she sounded in that uh, in that uh, voicemail there. It's nice. good to hear. It's good to hear from you. Oh yeah, awesome! Yeah, and I'm digging her show. Like her and uh, her and Cindy have an awesome show. Oh, oh my gosh, they they are the funniest like show that I listen to by far. Oh, they yeah. de- like as far as like explicit content, they definitely keep up with the guys. Oh well, yeah, absolutely. But you know, I mean, I mean, I, I you know, I listen to my handful of podcasts and whatever. But I swear to you, the laughs per minute. Is highest when I listen to theirs. Oh, they're awesome. They're and they're, they talk very intelligently about movies, but they're really funny, man. Yeah, uh, they use big words. Yeah, I got to keep. I, this, I have to keep a dictionary on on hand. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I'm usually driving, so that's not a good thing. 
<laughs> no, um, you know what's funny is uh, I've ne- you know I don't even know if I've ever seen Mr. Sardonicus. Have you? No, not at all. Yeah, so I mean, I guess that's one we have to check out. Um, uh, I was gonna say, uh, I just say real quick, uh, creepykids.blogspot.com. They still have their their same website, but uh, now they just run a podcast for a minute. It's awesome. Anyways, thanks for the call. Awesome. Yeah. Cadaver Lab. It's Mick Bastard in Tucson. Calling about your latest episode coming up, uh, covering urban legends. Uh, not the film series Urban Legends, but films based on urban legends. Uh, some of my favorite films uh, about urban legends would be uh, The Burning with Cropsey, uh, The Blair Witch. I enjoy those quite a bit. Um, films I haven't seen much, uh, The Jersey Devil. I'd like to see a good film about the Jersey Devil. That's a really intriguing concept. I think it would work really well. And uh, if you know of any, throw it out there. Um, I hear you guys are covering Candyman, 1992. What a great film. Probably uh, one of the best early 90s horror films out there, an original concept. Um, kind of similarly based on the Bloody Mary legend of youth, whereby you repeat the name Bloody Mary five times and show a pair up here and take you to hell. In this case, it's the Candyman. Um, from the mind of iconic horror legend Clive Barker. Um, amazing gothic score from Philip Glass, Tony Todd's breakout role, and uh, I can't say enough good things about this film. Um, I haven't seen the sequels, but um, I highly regard Candyman, uh, Behind the Mask, The Rise and Fall of Leslie Vernon. You know, I heard about this one on several podcasts, and the idea, to be honest, just did not intrigue me. Um, I finally picked it up for a few bucks, cheap from uh, Best Buy probably and uh, I was really enamored with this film as soon as I saw it so many great little homages to horror films and uh, again what a great concept you know in in this reality slasher villains are real and this is a documentary following a would-be slasher on his on his rise to fame and of course Robert England is Doc oh, Doc Holleran is an obvious love letter to uh, Donald Pleasance's uh, Dr. Loomis from the Halloween series right down to the trench coat really enjoyed it you know I just really enjoyed all the little nods to previous films you know musical cues from The Shining uh, there's a bunch of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street references in there good stuff you know, I just want to say I really enjoyed the podcast. I miss Sam, but love the new segments. Kruger Dude is an awesome co-host. Um, Gray Slasher Central. You know, I love the Dark Hours podcast, and I really enjoy the slashers he's been digging up uh, for the Slasher Central there on Cadaver Lab. Uh, Aaron's It Came from the Public Domain. You know, I love all those 50 and 100 pack deals you find on the cheap. Uh, Cadaver Classics with uh, Steven from Just Another Fucking Movie podcast. Good stuff all around. Um, by the way, when do we get another douche cast from you guys? I just want to say keep up the great work, uh, keep them coming, and uh, I'll be listening. Take care. Bye. Dude. So, from that... the Cadaver Lab podcast, we will see ya! Bitches. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> hey, dude, did our whole job there for us. That's awesome. awesome. <laughs> hey, I, I love talking to that dude, McMaster2000 on uh, Twitter. He is... Uh, He's yeah. a blast to talk to, man. Uh, <laughs> we chat a lot about Argento, about, well, everything, horror... Uh-huh. And um, no, it's really yeah. cool, man. Um, in fact, I, I always thought he was like uh, kind of like uh, uh, one of those villains in uh, McDonald's commercials. <laughs> he's like Grimace. Yeah, exactly. He's like the Hamburglar. He's McBastard. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it just seems no. like an Irish guy that runs around drinking and punching people in the face. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome, dude. Another douche cast uh, tomorrow night. We're recording one. Oh, that, you know what's funny? Is you know what movie I freaking better watch tonight? 
<laughs> Hell Comes to Frogtown. That's right. We're going to be talking about Hell Comes to Frogtown. Let's hope that this episode comes out before that episode does, or the douchecast does, or else I'll sound like a jackass. I'm actually no. a, I'm going to watch it tomorrow. Dude, he's he's from Tucson. Elska McCain's from Tucson. Oh, man. Maybe, that's. I saw her boobies a lot. I love them. <laughs> no, that is really cool, man. Um, I, I totally agree about the movies we're going to talk about, and I'm glad you're excited about it because uh, these are three. I mean, I thought all three movies were awesome, so we'll, we'll be getting into that. Yeah, we, we chose some good ones. I mean, oh, absolutely. I think so. And when I say we, I mean, didn't you choose them all? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Dick. No. Just kidding. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Thanks for the call, man. Hey, guys, I don't have a fax, but uh, I will leave you a message. This is Flopo. After your um, uh, 56, the Poltergeist uh, episode, I was going to call in. Actually, I had a whole bunch of stuff to say, but I can't remember. And I'm looking over the website, and if you could do me a favor, I'm thinking people might call in more. If under your um, your episodes on your main page, if you could like maybe do bullet points of things that were touched on, because I'm reading a little paragraph and I honestly don't remember any of the public domain films that were discussed, and I think I ha- I really wanted to talk about some of those. Um, I will mention Poultrygeist. Uh, uh, I tried, I, you know. <laughs> When it first came out, I tried to watch it, and I just didn't find it funny. I wasn't particularly offended. I just didn't find it funny. So I thought, well, maybe I was wrong, and maybe after a little time had passed, you know, that it would be entertaining. So I downloaded it. Oh, hush, doggies. I downloaded it again and tried to watch it. Mm, No, couldn't do it. Not entertaining. Sorry, uh, just didn't find it funny. Okay, let's see, what else can I mention? Oh, I, I, y'all are like, you know, I know, really critical of the remake of Psycho, and I hate remakes too. But it was on last night, and I was just too lazy to change the channel because it was kind of on in the background, and I was doing other stuff. But I have to say, you know, I don't care about Anne Hesh either way, but... Honest to God, Vince Vaughn made one hell of a creepy Norman Bates. Like, you know, okay, it was easy for Anthony Perkins to be a little feminine because he was gay anyway. But Vince Vaughn is totally straight, but yet he carried on this kind of effeminate thing through the entire movie. And his looks and his facial expressions were absolutely priceless. Um, so, you know, I have to, I have to give him props for that movie. Um, just briefly touching on May, yeah, I love May, Roman, I haven't seen Roman, but uh, it sounds interesting, and I'll have to watch that. Um, if I remember anything else, I'll call back, but if y'all could give a little bit more in the synopsis, I could probably, you know, because I'm kind of old, and um, my memory's not so good. So if y'all could do that for me, I'd really appreciate it. Thanks, and have a great holiday weekend. Bye. Hold on, hold on, hold on a second. Okay. Okay. First, I have two things. First of all, <laughs> you're old. You're no, you're in your prime. It's all, it's cool. 
Second of Basically, all... Basically, what he's saying is he's like, oh my gosh, her voice was so hot. Cougar! No. <laughs> you know what? Um... I actually said something on the forums about her calling in, so I'm really glad that she did. The second, the second thing I had to say is Vince Vaughn straight. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny is I watched this, I watched the same thing. I watched the the remake actually while while uh, Stephen and I were recording it, and I swear to you, I thought that uh, Ben Stiller was going to jump out with that giant mustache and uh, from Anchorman. <laughs> <laughs> How cool would that have been? <laughs> no, dude. I, you know, I didn't. I didn't like it. Now, listen. I didn't know. I didn't. You know, I didn't really see. I don't know. I, when's the last time you saw Psycho? I didn't really ever think that he seemed effeminate. Oh, he did. I think he he did a lot. I okay. I didn't really even notice it. Yeah. I mean, I I just thought that he was a uh, you know just a. That's uh, just he was a, he was kind of a. Um, I don't know, kind of like a, a shut in type of deal. I'm not used to dealing with people and. I mean, I didn't. I don't know. I, I that never crossed my mind that he was effeminate. Oh, some of and his mannerisms definitely. I don't know why. Maybe maybe I'm just like really effeminate in real life, and that just <laughs> seems normal to me. You know, listen, that's fine. <laughs> you know, no big deal. But uh, no, I, you know, that's something that I never even thought of. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't like. I didn't like him in that in that role. I, maybe it was, and maybe it was because I just watched the the normal psycho or the sorry the original psycho, and then watched that right after it. And, it it just didn't seem like the same movie to me. It, uh, sorry, it didn't seem like it had the same vibe to me. And I I don't know. I mean, I, I'm still I'm still not sold on that remake. I've only seen pieces of the remake, and I love Gus Van Sant, but the just the few scenes I've seen, I haven't liked. I mean, it's it's one of those movies that doesn't really call for a remake. Well, I don't know. I mean. It, Ask me what movie calls for a remake. I don't know. You know, for one reason or another, I obviously wish they wouldn't. And I'm not so adamant against remakes necessarily. I just, you know, I'm just, I'm almost indifferent most of the time. But I, I don't, I don't. It's hard for me. It would be hard for me to pick out a movie that say, oh, this needs a remake. I guess there are a few. You know, if I really thought about it. Oh, but, yeah. but the thing is, is I think most of what makes like, like, let's say an '80s movie or a '70s movie good. To me, maybe has some nostalgia factor to it, or some kind of a, you know, maybe even if I've never seen it before, it still has that same type of, you know, atmosphere and in the, the environment, you know, things like that. And you know, that of course, I I just really enjoy. I don't know. I mean, maybe if we thought about it, maybe if I thought about it, I could think of it. But but it just seems like all the remakes, even though all of them haven't been bad, they've just kind of lost that little, um, that little bit of. I don't know, I almost said magic, and then I'd be like, yeah, I am totally a feminine all the time. <laughs> but but you know what I mean. <laughs> they're they're uh, fantastic uh, magic. <laughs> oh, such a magical, such a magical time of, in, in, film, in, in film history and cinema. The no. greatness. <laughs> uh, by the way, do bullet points in the show notes. Are you kidding me? That's like work. You, I, I want you people to know how, once I get done editing an episode, I just want to release it as fast as I can. I'll, maybe I'll, I'll try, but I'm not going to make any promises, okay? I'm it's, sorry. It's pretty much the same thing for Mike as if you were to go to an all-you-can-eat burrito stand. You just want to release it as fast as possible. <laughs> you know, and forget about it. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, Poultry Geist. Not funny? I loved it. You must not be a stupid-ass, adolescent-minded jackass. Man, because it was definitely, like, a lot of male humor. 
<laughs> oh, dude. You know what? And the, and the thing is, is I remember, I mean, I say this so funny. I, I, I'm about to say this, but I, I watched this with uh, Derek from uh, good old uh, Dead Derek Tributes, and then I turned it on again just to, while I was writing up some notes a little later, and uh, my wife walked in on it. Me, and I say that because it's like, because she was, she just looked at it and like looked at me like I was the biggest dumbass in the world. And so you know, I mean, females maybe they're a little more mature, but then I go listen to Creepy Kitchen, and I realize that's not true at all. What? <laughs> <laughs> I, I am just kidding. Oh, guess what I did see is Roman. Did you like it? Uh, you know, it was it was bizarre. It wasn't. I was expecting more of a May type deal. And it really wasn't, but I really ended up liking it. It had to grow on me a little bit, because I mean it was really low budget. You could tell. Oh, absolutely! It was shot and, like, on like a camcorder. Yeah, and uh, um, what's his name? Lucky McKee. It took me a little bit of getting used to his mannerisms and stuff because it almost you know how when somebody's acting, you can kind of tell when they're trying to act. Yeah, does that make sense? Well, you know, but but it grew on me, and I'm just like, yeah, maybe. Maybe he's just uh, just like that, whatever. But Maybe. it grew on me in the end. I was like, oh, that's, that's a pretty good flick. It's, I don't think it's any anywhere close to being made. No. Well, could it be that his mannerisms weren't effeminate enough? <laughs> that could be. You know what? I, I wonder. I wonder if I wonder if I just have like no no radar for that. Because remember when I was like, when we were talking about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, and I still get shit for this. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I guess if you look into it, you kind of read between the lines and you're, Expecting to see gay stuff, you know. I still, I, I just, I mean, it's like I, I mean, until obviously now I can't watch it without thinking about it. But before that, I just couldn't tell. Maybe I'm just not tuned into that kind of stuff. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you right now. Yeah. Spoiler alert: Brokeback Mountain has gay undertones. In case you watch it, I just want you to they, know it's it's not very apparent. But I've heard that they have gay overtones and undertones and overtones. And in tones and out tones and into what what what? Sorry, I that's awesome. Got a got a little. Uh, <laughs> man, I'm sweating. Hold on, let's let's just do another voicemail so I can cool off. Sweet. Hey, Mike and Johnny, it's Spooky Bill here. Been a while since I called you, so I thought I'd just check in and say hey. Just listening to episode fifty-six, your random creepiness episode. Uh, it's it's great, actually. Um, as usual, you guys put forth an excellent show. Lengthy, as usual. Um, is that going to be your new thing? I mean, so far the episodes have been pretty long. I'm not going to rag on you about it because it's you know it's your show. Um, but I know uh, you know a lot of people are kind of complaining and kidding, kidding around the box. I guess is what it's called. I think that's how you say it, what it's called, <laughs> where you're joking but not really. Um, about your episode links, and uh, you know, if you know, here's here's just me. I don't I don't really give a shit. I'm 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 just throwing this out there. Take it as you will. But what if you broke up your episodes, uh, or broke up your yeah your episodes? You had like uh, Cadaver Classics, and uh, it came from the public domain one week, and then the next week you had uh, Cadaver Proper, and uh, like uh, the Slasher Central. Uh, might be a way to, you know, to cut up your episodes, cut them in half, cut the time-wise, and then still be release of, releasing content every week. Um, hey, you know, it's just an idea. Do what, take take it as you will. I'm not, I'm not uh, telling you guys what to do. I'm still going to listen to your show. Uh, I'm not criticizing you for the length at all. Um, 
you know, I don't mind. I can stop the episodes between segments, you know, which is usually what I do because I can only listen 20 minutes at a time. Anyway, uh, I just wanted to mention, uh, Johnny, I'm really not surprised that, that you didn't like A Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, I know you were all psyched for it, but I think you kind of set yourself up there. And, uh, you know, being a, such a such a huge fan of the original series that, you know, I, I, I really, I'm not surprised you, you didn't like it. Uh, Mike, on the other hand, um, I don't know, I thought you would enjoy it for what it was. Um, I, I personally, you know, I'm gonna, I, I did enjoy it. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it, and uh, I definitely will be watching it again. Um, not in the theaters, though, because, you know, I'm poor, and I don't get out that the kids. Anyway, I'm running up your voicemail, and uh, I think that's about it. Just say hey, uh, keep up the awesome sauce as usual, and uh, yeah, bye. Okay. Awesome sauce. That just goes along with the link thing, but <laughs> as far as uh, Nightmare on Elm Street goes, I mean, I'll watch it again, and I'll give it a fair shake again, but I mean, I before I saw Nightmare on Elm Street, the remake, I had seen it on Dateline with uh, Chris Hansen when they do To Catch a Predator. <laughs> you know, I'd seen it before, so <laughs> it, it wasn't really unfamiliar. It just uh, wasn't what I have come to know. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if we broke the episodes up, which I hear a lot of people saying we should do, if we broke them up... Dude, I, okay, okay, I here's the deal. Well, I have a feeling that, like, I would realize that, like, the ones with Steven would be, like, 98% downloads and ours would be, like, 15. <laughs> That's BS, man. Well, okay, and here's the deal. I've actually thought about doing something like that. I don't know. It's just, all right, I'll quit. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to quit trying to figure out how to put it lightly. I'm lazy. <laughs> and when I have a project to do, I just like to get it done. You know, and once I'm done, put it out there, and I don't want to have to worry about it for another week. And as small as it is, you know, I would have to go up and put up another, put up another episode on the, uh, you know, on the on the website, and then I'd have to add some more, you know, copious notes. Apparently, I have to do that now. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I'm I'm okay with it. Well, I, you know, I, it's a good suggestion. I appreciate. it. I'm not trying to be a dick. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people like it. I think it's, you know, it can be, like you said, it can be listened to in increments. It doesn't have to be all at once. Well, who has freaking three hours to sit down anyways and do a podcast? I know I don't. No, I mean, um, and and same with, there are a lot of podcasts I listen to that are about three hours long. So, really? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, so it's not just us. No, and, and, and listen, I, I really appreciate the suggestion, and keep the suggestions coming. But I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of things that we do out of my laziness. <laughs> and, and that's probably one of them. But, yeah. <laughs> man, I feel like a jerk. No, man, Spooky Bill's awesome. You know, I, you know it, I've heard it from, he's not the only person that said it, but, you know, it takes balls to say it on the uh, voicemail line. Balls. Balls. So, that's no, no, right. we really appreciate the call, Spooky Bill. Hope you're enjoying the uh, prize pack. Yeah, I think I sent him a movie kind of a, a, as a joke um, called American Werewolf. No, no, Mexican Werewolf in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that one time. If that's any good. I hope it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, now I feel like a double dick. That can't be any worse than Cabin Fever 2. What? 
What? I'm the only I'm the only horror fan out there that doesn't like that movie. Apparently, um, that's not true. But you know, everyone's uh, everyone is entitled to their opinion, and I'm not going to shit on anybody because they like a movie I don't like. But I just have a hard time, and I want to stick it for my friend, the party dude. Hey, man, fucking party cop. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey there, Mike and Johnny. This here's the Wolfman from Darkly Lit. Uh, listening to your last show, and uh, I remembered when you were talking about Mr. Sardonicus and the two endings that there were for it. Interesting fact about that was actually that apparently Castle only filmed the punishment ending for it originally, but one of the executives who was in charge of it all insisted that we have a happy ending for the movie. Well, Castle figured that, uh, no, that's not what the audience wants, so he agreed to film the happy ending, but on the condition that he got to send both endings out and let the audience film them so that he had his gimmick pre-made for him. Well, they agreed to it, and uh, from what I understand, he actually did go ahead and ship out the ending that he filmed, but, uh, yeah, nobody ever wanted it for some strange reason. They, they just thought he was enough of a jackass, he deserved it. Kind of makes me wonder if they actually have the happy ending on a DVD release of it, if they ever make one. That'll be interesting to find out. Anyway, have a good one. This is the Wolfman. See y'all later. Dude, do we just have a contradiction? <laughs> what do you mean? About, Did... about the, well, we had one voicemail saying they never shot the ending. Yeah. And then we had one saying they shot both endings, but only one was sent out. Ding, 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 ding. It's <laughs> Fight Club time. It's, that was, uh, that was, uh, I have the tire, because we're about to get some, some Fight Club going on. Oh, man. Was it Stacy versus, um, The Wolf, uh, wolf man. man? No, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't, I wish I knew the answer. I don't, I, I, I don't know which one's right, but, uh, I don't know. I have to see this movie now, though. Apparently, yeah, because we neither one of us have seen this, and uh, but, apparently, but it's... at least they both they both agree that that he had raging asshole disease, which you've had too, apparently. Oh, it's awesome! <laughs> hey, Mike and Johnny, I just wanted to call in and let you know I don't understand those new kids these days either. They don't listen to the type of music I like either. Like, I like, you know, the Beatles and the Doobie Brothers and, you know, Simon and Garfunkel. And uh, I like the heavy metal, too. You know, I I really like, um, let me get back to you on that. Uh, But I do agree that I'm frustrated with youngsters these days, especially because they can still get an erection and I can't anymore. But more specifically, I don't get all their damn emotions. It's like they don't have life figured out yet or something. Don't you know you just live and fuck? That's what I used to fuck. I don't anymore, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I get you guys. Power to the old people. You codgers have my back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, isn't it, how fitting is that, man? You know, man, that guy, I, he understands. You know, 
were talking about it. And it was, I'll, I'll be honest, well, see, here's the difference. I'm still young enough, I, I'm kind of in the middle, where I'm young enough to, or I'm old enough to not understand, but I'm still young enough to, like, like uh, totally make fun of those jackasses who I don't understand. <laughs> Instead of, I'm, you know, I'm not all confused like that guy was. And I can still get a boner. <laughs> Sometimes. You know what, though? We totally deserve that voice. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were, yeah. I'm surprised I didn't, like, start talking about how, um, how I got pissed off when emo kids step on my lawn. <laughs> you damn kids and your damn skinny jeans. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yell at them for, for skateboarding down the street. <laughs> yeah. How dangerous those things can be. Dude, they can't skateboard in pumps. Uh, what's pumps? <laughs> Girls' shoes. What? Like high heels. Why would Why would an emo kid be wearing pumps? Uh, why wouldn't they? They wear their girlfriend's jeans. Might as well wear her shoes, too. Oh, snap. <laughs> hey, Mike. Hey, Johnny. It's Johnny T from the UK again, or Austin Powers, baby. Um, just say hi, and um, I've joined your forums, so... Um, there, Krugadoo's there, and apparently Mike's been a little bit slack according to Gracie's poppy, but hey, you're a busy man. You know, I know what it's like. You know, we're always in demand, aren't we, as boldest fella? Do you know what I mean? And uh, just think about a film I've watched this week called The Graves. You've probably heard of it at that flight festival. Or um, don't bother watching it, man. It's the biggest pile of shit ever. It's fucking awful. Um, but yeah, that's about it, really. So um, just keep up the show, and you're pretty regular at the moment, so yeah, keep it regular and the show. Nice one, sir. See you later. Bye. So, so awesome. we get we get a a voicemail about being old, then we get one telling us how regular we are. <laughs> That's because we eat a lot of fiber. We are we are sponsored by Activia. <laughs> Activia. That's right. I know the song. <laughs> That's awesome. Want to make some of it, um, dude? Um, the Grace. You guys talked about that on uh, on Twitter. Yeah. For a while, didn't you? I've never seen it. Is that the one with Eliza Dushku in it? No, she's not that one. Oh, okay. I thought for some reason I thought she was. In, I've never seen the grades, but the grades, I've heard nothing good about it. It has Tony Todd and Bill Mosley, but not for very long. They have small parts. You know what? I don't think Tony Todd or Bill Mosley appreciate you telling everybody that. <laughs> Let me tell you right now. Um, Shelley is a, like the biggest Bill Mosley fan alive, and she bought it when it first came out, and we watched it. Uh-huh. And it's such a turd that we've already sold it. <laughs> uh, I love when things are described as turds. It's not even worth owning, man. Oh, really? It's so bad. Like, <laughs> like on the forums, he said that I gave it a 2.5 when I actually gave it a 2. And that .5 is just too much, man. I can't even give it that extra .5. Well, I, I, somebody was like, I think it was Derek was like, oh, man, that's like a 1, man. <laughs> Like it's, I have not heard one good thing about that movie. So you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna maybe avoid it. I think I even have it. You know Which what? Is, give it one watch and just see what you think. But I really well, don't <laughs> think you'll like it. I, you know, there's a lot of things I have that I that I probably will never give a watch to. But I don't know. You know what? No, I was gonna say the only the only movies I've been watching lately are ones that we or horror movies. I've been actually I've, that's not true because I watched Roman and I watched Jessica Rabbit, but most of the most of the movies I watch these days are for the show. 
And I guess unless uh, I was going to say maybe we should do it, but I'm like, yeah, I don't know if we should talk about it on the show. Is that terrible? No, it, it would be it would be all negative. Excellent. <laughs> no, that's awesome. By the way, I love getting uh, voicemails from that baldy. That dude's awesome. I know, man. I, I wish I could be in your club. Nope. Well, you can. Well, I could. Uh, but uh, well, the thing is, is it's not just you can't just shave your head. I mean, you you have to like go through the gauntlet where where you have to crawl through all the baldies and we get to paddle your bottom. <laughs> In the gauntlet. It's not like I'm going to be fighting like Gemini from American Gladiators at the very end. <laughs> Gemini. Jousting his ass. You'll you'll take Gemini's laser. <laughs> anyway, man. Sweet, dude. That's all the voicemails we got. Thanks for calling in, everybody. Um, number is 206-339-2730 if you want to call in for next episode. Awesome, yeah. Um, other than that, I uh, want to take a break and uh, be right back and talk about Blood Knight. Hell yeah. There's a legend round here, a killer buried, but not dead. A curse on Crystal Lake, a death curse. Jason Borey's curse. They say he died as a boy, but he keeps coming back. You have seen him and lived. Some have even tried to stop him. No one can. Jason belongs in hell. I'm going to see he gets there. Jason, come on! Come and get me! It's me you want, remember? People forget. He's down there, waiting. Hey, you want a beer? Or do you want to smoke some pot? We love premarital sex. Welcome to another Slasher Central. Today we're talking about urban legends. And the biggest one of them all is, of course, Friday the 13th and the story of the curse of Camp Blood and Jason Voorhees. 
But that's not the movie we are talking about today. Actually, we are talking about a bona fide slasher classic, but a lot of people aren't familiar with it. The movie we're talking about today is Madman. It all starts during a campfire at North Sea Cottages. Max, the head counselor, tells the tale of Madman Mars, a local farmer who went insane and murdered his entire family. After being lynched by a mob of angry villagers, the farmer's body mysteriously disappears. The legend goes that if you call out his name, Madman Mars will appear. Unfortunately, one young camper does exactly that. And as the words echo through the dark woods, the wheels of terror are set in motion. I have a good reason I haven't told you his name. A very good reason. You see, it is said also that if you say his name above a whisper in the woods, he will hear you. Because he can be anywhere, anytime. And if he hears you call his name, he'll come for you. And if he comes for you, he'll get you. One by one, you'll start to fall before night's over. I'll get you all. His name is... So, Madman, this is a slasher that came out in 1982. So, this follows a lot of the uh, big hitters, the heavy hitters in the slasher genre. First of all, you have Halloween in 78. And then that's followed by Friday the 13th in 1980. And then in 1981, you have The Burning. And then finally, 1982, you have Madman. So this is definitely in the second or maybe even third wave of slasher movies there in the 80s. This is definitely a knockoff, but we'll get to it. First of all, let's talk about the most significant cast member of Madman, and that's Galen Ross as Betsy. She plays the lead heroine in the movie, basically your final girl of the movie. Now, what's strange is that during the movie, she went by the name Alexis Dubin, but everybody knows her as Francine from Dawn of the Dead. Night of the Living Dead has ended. Dawn of the Dead is here. So, urban legend slasher films, it's a big subgenre of the slasher film. In fact, it's pretty much one of the biggest elements of a lot of slasher films. We already mentioned Friday the 13th, but another big urban legend slasher movie would be, of course, The Burning, which is based on the Staten Island legend about an escaped mental patient that lived in Willowbrook Mental Institution who would come out late at night and snatch children off the streets. This was made famous by the movie The Burning in 1981. Now, this Cropsey was a sadist. I mean, he got real pleasure out of hurting people, scaring them. And he had these garden shears, you know? The kind with long, thin blades. 
He carried them all the time, wherever he went. And in that movie, like many other slasher movies, there's that classic campfire scene where the story is being told to all the campers about this menace, a la Friday the 13th Part 2, and similarly in Mad Men. And then one of the most famous urban legend slasher movies, just because it's called Urban Legend, is, well, Urban Legend. And this came out in the late 90s, directed by Jamie Blanks, who, of course, directed another slasher movie I actually reviewed in the course of this show, Valentine. Pretty lame slasher movie, but it's worth noting because it is about urban legends. So let's get to Madman, which is just a perfect example for an urban legend slasher film. The whole basis of the movie is that Madman Mars is an urban legend come to life. And wow, I mean, Madman, if you haven't heard about it before, is an absolute classic. And it's okay if you haven't heard about it, because for some reason, this one kind of flew under the radar. It's still not really released on DVD and wide release. It was released, but it's discontinued and out of print, and it's very hard to find. In fact, the version of Madman that I saw was a Region 2 disc, meaning it's not viewable on American DVD players. So this is pretty much a gem of a slasher movie, but one that's not widely known. And this is your prototypical 80s slasher. And let me go through the reasons why. Well, first of all, the movie is extremely dated. And that's both a well an advantage and a disadvantage for the movie. I mean, this is more dated than pretty much almost any slasher I've reviewed. The first time I saw it, and I've seen this movie several times, maybe two or three times, the first time it really was off-putting and really took me some time to get used to how dated the movie is. And that starts right at the beginning of the movie with the opening credits and that goofy kind of synth song that I played at the beginning, which is the Madman theme. The movie is extremely cheesy. I mean, opening up the movie after that are these kids around a campfire and they're singing along. No, no, no. <laughs> Not that kind of singing. There's actually one of the camp counselors that is singing a song about Madman Mars to all the camp counselors to, or all the little kids to scare them. And right here, you know, you're like, whoa, what am I watching? I have not seen very many slasher movies that opened up on somebody singing. And then other extremely cheesy and dated elements are the love scene in the middle of the movie. Right in the middle of the movie, two of the main stars, Alexis Dubin and the uh, her love interest in the movie, are having this lover's spat. So right in the middle of the movie, they get together in the cheesiest scene I've ever watched in a horror movie. Basically, it has some really dated music over the, the uh, montage of them in a hot tub. If you're gonna ask, why is this, why is that? I didn't fucking get fit to you, what the fuck? And if you wanna know, please, no, darn, please, come on, please. That's okay to do. Please, I mean, I, I, I didn't fucking do anything. But if you're gonna ask me why.
And this scene, when I first saw it, I didn't really know what to make of it. It's so out there and so wacky that it really, I just didn't know what I was watching. But as I've watched the movie over and over again and got more used to it, this scene really adds to the charm and the ambiance of this slasher, which, again, is your classic slasher. If you are in the mood for a, a movie that's not Friday the 13th and not Halloween, that just screams the 80s, I would highly suggest Madman. And then, of course, there's the script and the dialogue in the movie, which is, again, extremely dated. There's the main character, played by Alexis Dubin, who at one point is actually playing, he loves me, he loves me not. And it's like, really? I mean, I don't know if they played that game in the 80s, but I've never actually seen anybody play it these days. And then Madman is an absolute ripoff of Friday the 13th and Halloween, and you could argue the the burning, but the burning is actually a ripoff of Friday the 13th, so, I mean, this is basically a classic slasher, meaning it follows those that have come before it and really pretty much rips them off. It's a body count movie. In fact, one character in the movie, Dippy, and that is his name, Dippy, is the inevitable slasher fodder. He's on screen for literally under five minutes before he's killed. He's introduced to be killed off. And, I mean, this is great. I mean, I love it. I mean, this is your classic 80s slashers, which these days don't really even happen. I mean, these days you don't get elements like that that are so blatant. Like, this character is basically just introduced to be killed. And then there's the tried-and-true scenario, which is the woods plus killers plus camp counselors equal perfect slasher. There's a formula to it, a very simple formula. Everybody's a suspect. And then what would um, any slasher movie be without ridiculous, stupid characters? You have one couple, uh, Porn Stash and his girlfriend, who has the most extreme facial features I've ever seen. She looks kind of like a dinosaur. And then you have T.P., the uh, the main character who is trying to get with Alexis Dubin. And he's got this belt buckle that says T.P. on it. And he looks really kind of like... Ah, uh, I don't know. He looks like, he looks very, very Italian, let's put it that way. And he has a very bad temper like an Italian, but then he's nice and playful as well. And then you have the uh, the wise camp counselor, Max, the head camp counselor, who spews this really ridiculous Zen knowledge throughout the movie. Losing, winning, what's the difference? Play the game with a fair heart, and you'll always be able to look yourself in the mirror. <laughs> Do you nothing that I say? Play too hard to win, and you might not like what you become. Thank you, Dr. Stupid. And so you have this collection of characters that are all pretty much cliches. But the difference here is that they're not teenagers. They're actually adults in the movie, which is a different uh, kind of spin on the genre. 
they're all adults, so there's not a whole lot of partying, or the partying that is there is actually kind of lame. And a lot of the the slasher scenes, the scenes where Madman Mars is going after the characters, are really good, really iconic. There's one scene where he's advancing on another character, and that character is running away from him, and Madman is just running after him with this axe, and it's very effective. And then there's another scene where the stupid uh, woman who's uh, basically the girlfriend for Porn Stash. She's the one with the very extreme facial features. She's running away from Madman Mars, and she runs into this room, and there's nowhere to hide, and Madman Mars is advancing. So what should, does she do? Well, she decides to hide in the refrigerator. And, I mean, seriously, have you ever seen anybody hide in a refrigerator to escape some impending doom scenario? That's his name. Henry Jones Jr. Like Indiana. We named the dog Indiana. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. It was really bad in that movie, too. It's actually pretty effective in this movie. You have the girl hiding in the refrigerator, and you hear Madman scraping around outside, and you're not sure where he is. So a lot of the scenes in this slasher are very effective, although the characters are pretty stupid. Again, your prototypical slasher, one of the best out there. And then you have the soundtrack for the movie. The sonic textures of this movie, again, really date the movie in a positive way. If you have an affection for, say, Halloween, for example, the first one, which was an entirely electronic score. A lot of it was electronic and was done by John Carpenter himself. Well, this movie is very similar. It has a lot of textures and uh, a lot of music and sound cues, jump scare sounders that are very, very familiar to Halloween. In fact, the way the movie is shot is very similar to Halloween. You don't see a lot of Madman Mars at all. In fact, whenever he appears on screen, you have that familiar jump scare sounder a la Halloween. So the movie is almost kind of like comfort food. It's a very good slasher, but it's very much familiar if you've ever seen a Friday the 13th movie or a Halloween movie. But again, that soundtrack really works for this movie. Although it's very similar to Halloween, it's very good on its own as well and is really foreboding. The movie does attempt to be scary, and for the most part it is. And a big part of that is its main villain, Madman Mars, who, again, I've said, is unseen most of the film. So the movie really doesn't reveal what he looks like for most of the movie. All you see are flashes of his hands around a tree or the, the shape of him in the darkness. And his weapon of choice is, of course, the axe. That's the axe that he murdered his entire family with and he proceeds to use throughout the film to devilish mayhem. And then the guy who plays Madman Mars, Eulers, is a huge figure. He jumps around in the darkness and advances upon characters in the movie, and he really is a force to be reckoned with. So you have a really imposing figure and a really imposing villain in Madman Mars. And then one of his most striking features, at least for me, is the way he grunts and growls the, throughout the entire movie, he's almost kind of like a caveman, and you basically hear him more than you see him. Uh. 
he also is a very supernatural being. He's able to transport all over the camp. And in fact, one of the lead counselors, Max, actually alludes to that in that he is a supernatural being and he will catch you and he will be anywhere he wants to be, anywhere he needs to be to take you down. And then the last element of this movie that really makes it stand head and shoulders above some of the other slasher dreck that was in the 80s are the kills and the gore. First of all, there's a death scene of one of the prominent characters early in the movie. In fact, I think the first death scene, which is a hanging, the character is hung by a tree and the acting is great. The, the character actor really sells this scene. His eyes are rolling back in his head and he's making these noises just a great kill and then one of the coolest kills in slasher movie history is in this movie i will not reveal it what it is suffice it to say it involves a car hood and somebody's head and that's all i'm gonna say really good kill so madman just a really good movie highly suggested by me and the dark hours now, on our slasher scale of blood, boobs, and partying, well, first of all, there is a lot of blood in the movie. It's very well done. I mean, it's not on the level of Friday the 13th, but it definitely gives you what you want. It's got enough grue to satisfy most slasher fans out there. And even if some of the kills aren't exactly gory, for example, the hanging death, they are mean and brutal, so... Really good rating on the blood factor. Now, the boobs, not so much in the movie. You really don't get to see anything. Uh, there might be one glimpse, one fleeting glimpse of Galen Ross's uh, boobs. assets, but not a whole lot. And uh, as far as partying goes, it's kind of weird. I mean, seeing these adults hang out, because I the scenes are just really weird. I, I don't know. I would recommend the movie. Uh, but there's not a whole lot of drunken partying in the movie. So, on the slasher scale, this definitely ranks high up there, mainly because this is your prototypical 80s slasher. Now, to close out this review, I did want to give just two dark facts. Uh, first of all, originally, Madman was actually supposed to be based on the Cropsy Killer legend. But when word reached the production that the film The Burning was being based on the same legend, the script was rewritten. So originally Madman was going to be Cropsy, but that never happened. Which is fine with me because both movies are acceptable in their own right. And then an interesting dark fact about the movie also is that in the movie Madman Mars is shown very sparingly and mostly in shadow. Now this was partly to convey suspense but it was also due to necessity. The production didn't get the whole costume for Madman Mars by the time it was time to shoot. They only had the left hand of the costume, so that is why there are so many shots in the movie of a hand mysteriously coming from around trees and out of shadows and grabbing people because they didn't have the whole costume. So that is Madman from 1982, perfect example of your urban legend slasher film. See it, seek it out if you can, I highly recommend it. It is one of the best slasher films from the 80s. There's a legend in these mountains of a killer, inhuman, insane. If you so much as whisper his name, he will appear. And if he appears... 
you'll be the last thing you'll ever see. we're back and you know what i forgot to mention something in the beginning of the show um actually steven has been going through some bs lately so we were not able to record a cadaver classics for this episode but uh it will be returning and uh we will definitely um you know don't worry but uh yeah so we're not going to have one this this episode so i just want to make sure everybody knows anyway man bring it home we're going to talk about blood knight from 2009. I am standing here on Sweet Hollow Road. You see this white figure? Eyes flashing. It's a ghost that walked right across. One of the most haunted places in the world. We're out here to interview the young people that are celebrating these murders. The brutal murders have rocked this usually quiet Long Island town, and a scene police have described as one of the bloodiest, most horrific tragedies they've ever witnessed. We got any blood night plans tonight? I am so psyched for tonight, man. What do you need us to bring? Lots of alcohol. Yes. Can I make you anything? Would you like a Bloody Mary? a good Mary Hatchet tale. No one tells a good screamer like you do. Oh, all right. Teenagers celebrating the anniversary of the death of a local axe murderer suddenly find themselves face-to-face with the realities of this haunting urban legend. And basically, um, I don't have an IMDb score for this, do you? Uh, you know what? I assume that you would have one since I, it's your movie. I usually do. <laughs> I actually think it's a 5.5. That's pretty good. I have it right here, actually. It is it? Oh, it's 5.5. Sweet. Look at you, Rain Man. Um... <laughs> So basically, the movie starts off, Mary Maddock is a young child, and it starts off, she's in front of a mirror, and her mom goes to check on her, and 
as the night progresses, her parents go to bed, and um, she hacks her parents to death. I think I don't remember how she kills her dad, but I think it was an axe, right? Um, yeah, it was. I remember. All I remember is he was. Sit, it was a hatchet. She was sitting. He was laying in the bed. He was in bed, and she, and she just came up and and whacked him with the hatchet in the head. So she um <laughs> she hurts her mom really bad, and then her mom gets downstairs. She kills her mom, and so she gets institutionalized. Where it fast forwards what about fifteen years? Yeah, something like that. And she's raped and impregnated by one of the hospital orderlies. And <gasps> yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a weird scene. By the way, in that scene, it was that was at the time where he's like, "Hey, you want to to lick my lollipop?" Oh yeah, he had a lot of dialogue there that I'm like, uh, who I hate that dialogue. In fact, I didn't really. I mean, I hate it. It's a bad word, but I was just like, I was glad I was alone because that was just, I was just like, oh my gosh, that's like the dirtiest thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, it wasn't even like like <laughs> it was gross. It wasn't even like adult dirty. It was like something like a pedophile would say. It, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, basically, I mean. Here he is, this, uh, he's just a rapist, so yeah, it's a dude, it's something that a rapist would say, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> um, so she gets pregnant, she loses the baby, which sends her into this crazy, naked, boobarific murder spree, <laughs> and it ultimately results in her own death. Dude, can I, can I just butt in right here? And everything that he said so far happened before the opening credits. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is awesome. I mean, you get, seriously, the memory count on this is pretty big, but you get most of that right there. Dude, and you know what is so funny is when I started watching this, I'm like, oh my gosh, all this awesome stuff. Because the freaking gore was, was outstanding. And it was practical, which is awesome. Well, it was actually, uh, I mean, I don't want to get off the, I don't, I don't want to derail this too much right now, but uh, there, this uh, the disc actually came with a uh, uh, making of documentary, uh-huh. and I watched it. And it has spoilers, so don't watch it before you watch a movie like I did. But um, um, basically... They did everything practical, and then they used CG to just enhance it a bit. Like some of the camera blood splatter and stuff? Well, yeah, and then also, uh, for instance, uh, when the mom when the mom comes down, uh, let's see, she falls down the stairs or something, and in, in, in her head's laying on the stairs, and she gets stabbed in the face. Yeah. And basically, I, I can't remember if it was that. Uh, actually, I don't know if it happened to her. But uh, they added some splatter. They added some, um, you know, some other type of stuff. But they also did things like, they they morphed their uh, the person's real face on a dummy. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, uh, and, and and stuff like that. And you know what? It turned out pretty good. I mean, and I like too the fact that all the blood was getting all over the camera and stuff. You know. Oh yeah, it was it was it was like there, raw. Yeah, there was some gore. I mean, it was it was really cool. Absolutely. Um, and then basically they fast forward to twenty years later, and the locals are celebrating Blood Night. And from there is pretty much madness. It's it's a bunch of teenagers trying to set up a party, and they all have their cliques and stuff. But ultimately, they go out and they egg houses, and they act like little assholes in this town. <laughs> and they wear masks, and guys with random paint on their hands slap girls' asses and stuff. It's really weird, but I think they, they all end up basically going and partying on Blood Night every you year. You know what? And you know the thing is, is okay. So, so you can look at this in two ways. And if if I would have, I didn't really know what was going on. I expected there to be this to be more of, you know, I mean, I'm I said that wrong. Basically, you know, it showed us what happened with Mary, and you know, before the before the the you know, I said like the credits, 
and it did a good job of explaining her story and whatnot. But I mean, if you if you think about it, yeah, I mean, yeah, some kids get together and they end up partying, you know. I mean, how many times have we seen that? And uh, how many times have you know in the eighties that used to happen all the time? But it was good, you know. You know? Oh yeah. How many times? How many times have we seen that in movies recently? Where I just haven't wanted to, you know, where I've hated the kids and, the, you know, they, there were no redeeming qualities, you know, with any of them or anything like that. <laughs> this movie was, I think, totally different. Oh, yeah. Um, somehow they, they, they were able to, you know, take these kids who, which, by the way, the, the main two, um, what's his name? Uh, Dushku? Yeah, Nate Dushku. I was going to get Dushku. into that. Oh, so, I'm sorry. I, I, I know I'm cutting you off. No, you're cool. Uh, and, and what's her name? Uh, Danielle Harris? They're both freaking my age, so maybe that had something to do with it. But even the other kids, I mean, none of them were annoying or too arrogant or too, no, or too unlikable. No, not at all. And so we go into this, like, slasher, you know, pretty pat slasher flick. But, man, it it reminded me, not necessarily in, like, um, you know, look and atmosphere so much, but just in, it reminded me of an 80s, just for uh, an 80s slasher through feel. Oh, yeah, it was, it was just, it was just fun. I liked him, you know? Yeah, it was awesome. It was fun. I really liked, uh, the like, when we saw us at the convention, I was like, this, it just was a fun time. You know, the audience was getting into it. It was just, it was really fun. Oh, yeah. Um, this movie was written by Elk Blassie and Frank Sabatella. It was directed by Frank Sabatella, and it stars Nate Dushku as Alex, Samantha Fatchy as Mary Hatchett. Daniel Harris as Alyssa, Bill Mosley as Graveyard Gus, and a bunch of <laughs> insignificant teenagers. And that's and the thing is, is even though they are insignificant teenagers, they none of them were, uh, none of them were too irritating. You know, and I actually found myself kind of laughing. You know, think I mean there were a lot of like funny parts. You know, even with the teenagers who, you know, that uh, usually are a little, you know, or not usually, but can be annoying. You know, yeah. For instance, I mean, just to point out one little thing, there's like a there's like a freshman that goes to like in uh, this party with some older people, uh, you know, kids like seniors or whatever. <laughs> some old people like us, no, nothing like that. That would be illegal. But, <laughs> but, and uh, uh, one of the one of the older girls is uh, kind of you know attracted to this younger kid, and that kid's reaction, man, that kid had me rolling, just because he just it was like. You remember when you were that age, you know, you're 14, 15, and, like, you don't know how to freaking control your emotions, and when you get all excited and you get that boner, it's like all you, all you can do is squeal. It was like Christmas morning. <laughs> exactly, dude. He just opened his power wheels. Dude, and that was, and, and uh, that kid had me laughing. You know, I mean, plus that girl was really hot. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I hope she's 18. <laughs> I assume all the girls in this were 18. Well, they, well, maybe. <laughs> Just because they all pretty much got naked. Well, no, and I guess not all of them. No, no, Few of not, them. Not the girl. She she was the the black girl. Oh, she was yeah. cute. She was she was she had, never mind. <laughs> I'm turning into that pervert uh, uh, mental hospital rapist. There were, I mean, you know, um, I agree that there were likable characters. There were, but there were a lot of them that I didn't like in this too. So I I actually wanted to see him die, especially toward the middle. Well, once they got to well, the party this... and it just kind of dragged on for about ten fifteen minutes. Oh well, now, and I and I can see what you're saying. And I can see. I mean, they weren't really likable. Um, they here's here's the difference. I mean, even in like let, let's take for example, Night of the Demons, was freaking uh, what was his name uh, the main pig guy Stooge. Stooge, I was love he likable? Oh, I love no. him. 
Uh, I freaking I think he wasn't likable, but he was awesome. Well, right, but but the thing is, that's the difference. I mean, I've, none of these guys were like Stooge, but it's different than just like, hating them in, in the Nightmare remake, like Friday Thirteenth you know? remake. Well, I have to admit something. The Nightmare, I mean, the Friday Thirteenth remake. A girl with the per- perfect nipple placement. Man, am I a pervert or what? <laughs> she she really helped me out. Enjoy that. But no, but like I, but I agree with you. Those kids were just like I. I, I they just look like spoiled over, you know, idiot kids. I can see the difference. Like you know, but, I mean, even though these guys, you know, especially some of the other dudes, were kind of annoying, I didn't, like, I didn't, like, have this hatred for them. No, no, I didn't either. I mean, I just thought that, the like, certain scenes in the middle with the party kind of dragged on no, a little sure. too long. I agree with you. But that's not, you know, character, it's not their fault. It's just that they were written into the script way too much, maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe. Um. But, I mean, this movie, I mean, it was really cool, man. It had a cool soundtrack. I mean, they used, like, the song from Return of the Living Dead and this, and they used a couple of musical cues from other movies and stuff. Um, nothing I can name offhand, but I, I recognize things like that. Uh-huh. Um, one thing that uh, that I really like, I mean, and, and Bill Mosley didn't have a huge part of it, of this, but uh, he kind of played the uh, the crazy Ralph type of character. He I mean, even did, looked did, like him. Did a you get bit. that one? He did. He had the hat and he, everything. He, yeah, he kind of dressed like Crazy Ralph. You know, and and, and I think that he, he didn't have a big part, but I mean, he had a necessary part. Someone, you know, that that that. Well, maybe I shouldn't give it away, but I mean, it's not that big a deal. But uh, also, I mean, he was there. He told the story. Well, the, the kids show up, at, you know, before they get to the party with the Ouija board and screw around with it and all that stuff, and he tells the story. And he actually helps them, you know, after you know when, when the shit starts hitting the fan. One of my favorite scenes of the whole movie, though, is where they he takes the kids back to the um, um, the mental hospital to try to figure out what's going on, you know, and, and maybe they'll find some answers in Mary Hatchett's file or whatever. And uh, so he's trying to open up that door, and uh, he's beating it with his shoulder, trying to break it down. He he gets nowhere with it. Kid reaches in, opens the door, because uh, Gus was, uh, you know, knocking it the wrong way. He looks at the little kid, dog dick. Oh, dude, that was awesome. And huh. that was one of That was Chop Top, that dude. Was, it was a Chop Top reference, and they also he had a Nom reference, which is also a Chop Top reference. <laughs> dude, that's right. Love it. And, and, you know, and it was just so... And the thing is, is I mean, this was played... This wasn't, uh, this wasn't as, um, like, tongue-in-cheek as a lot of movies I've seen, but there were some... There were a lot of references. There, I think there were a lot of nods to... Uh, you know, to other slashers or in other things in the horror genre. Um, one of my also, also one of my favorite parts is when she was in the very beginning before the credits when she was leaving the hospital and she's escaping and she just left a, a freaking wake of dead, destroyed bodies. It was you really know? cool, man. And when she was talking to that, like with that that nurse or whatever at that nurse's station, uh-huh. and they the the lights kind of flash and you saw like the weird face and stuff. Uh-huh. I liked how they did that too, man. Like it, it, it would show Mary Hatchet, and then the light would flash, and you see like a demon looking Mary Hatchet face. Right. Really cool. You know, in in in, uh, I only have one problem with this movie. Well, uh, I'm not going to say it's a perfect movie because I mean there were things that it could have done better, and and like you said, it maybe dragged a little bit in the middle. But uh, but my but my problem is, and you know, this is my kick in the balls. I'm going to bring it out a little early, but this is a spoiler. So so for reals. <laughs> okay, for reals, this is a spoiler, and you, I know you haven't seen this movie yet, people. For reals, yo. For reals, yo. 
Um, you'd think by the age of uh, 33, Danielle Harris would know how to deal with her period. I know, and not right? Not homicidal on people. I, I just didn't like the fact that it was so tied in with with uh, with the period. In fact, um, it, I don't. I can't remember if they mentioned it, but but uh, there is an actual disease called premenstrual dysmorphic disorder. Oh yeah. Or called, or, or otherwise known as PMDD, where this shit actually happens, which is scary as hell. Yeah, and well, the beginning when when they're showing the credits, they show like the files, and it shows in the files that she has this disorder. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, not her, but Mary Hatchet. Right. Okay. The spoiler is over, but that was less of a spoiler than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> but it's still kind of a spoiler. Oh yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. I don't know. I I was actually kind of blown away. I, I mean, you saw this at Texas Frightmare. You told me about it, and you know, I'd never heard of it, and you know, I'd heard of Bill Mosley. I heard that Bill Mosley was in it, and Daniel Harris. But I mean, Bill Mosley has been in some really awesome flicks, but he's also been in some turds. Bill Mosley has done yeah. mostly good stuff, but like, then you look at stuff like The Graves, and you're like, oh, dude. Yeah, I don't even. I'm not gonna watch that, obviously. But <laughs> I mean, he's even he's even been in stuff where I was just like, oh, wow. I can't. How'd they get him to do this? <laughs> you know, paycheck. I mean, he's got. As you say, he's got to pay the bills. But, <laughs> but you know, it's too bad because he's such a legend. You know. You know what's really funny? Like, there were certain things I noticed in this, and you know, one thing that stood out more than almost anything in this movie, the sound effects. <laughs> we're like. What about him? Well, like in the gore, like any any scene where someone was getting their head cut in half or something like that, <laughs> the sound effects were so over the top. Like, like really squishy. The, the scene where the nerd guy is getting a BJ from that girl, the black girl, Yeah. it sounded like that Nickelodeon gack stuff when I was a kid. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I mean, it was so bad. It was not realistic at all. Well, and like every time she took out a weapon, it was like, shing, like she just pulled a giant sword out of a... A sheath. Well, at any time someone would die, like, you know, they would, like, you'd hear the noise and then it'd show them, like, bleeding yeah. from their head. It was always that kind of sound. It was like that that quick slice sound. <laughs> I loved it, but it was oh, so dude, over the top. It, it made it, it, in my opinion, it, I mean, obviously this movie was just made to have fun and watch. Oh, yeah. And I think it did a good job. And you know what? It's nothing new. I mean, I mean, I played, I mean, I, I mean, it's obviously, it's a, basically a slasher type of deal. And, you know, We've seen it, but you know what? It was made to to, to be watched and, and to be inter- to entertain you, and you know it, I, it it actually, in my opinion, was a lot better than a lot of slasher movies that I've seen. You know, especially in the last how many years? Just because they, I don't think I think the fact that it didn't take itself too seriously, you know, it had it, it delivered on basically everything that someone who goes in what wanting to see a slasher is, you know banking on oh absolutely and so i mean i don't know it's hard for me to complain it wasn't like i said it wasn't perfect and it wasn't like the greatest thing i've ever seen i mean I, it, it made me laugh it uh, made me lol hello <laughs> <laughs> i had fun with this movie and and the director when the director and bill mosley talked about it at the convention they, uh-huh. they talked about that how they made a movie that basically was an homage to what they grew up with well not oh, bill yeah. mosley so much but the director uh, yeah, you know what the thing is. I think the director is is probably around the same age as, as I am because he he would in the making of he'd reference certain things and it's like oh yeah I I mean I totally see that yeah, I, I'm totally right there with him. Well, he said but, he'd be uh, on the show. He would. Let's yeah. get him on. He told me he gave me his card with his personal cell phone number and he said that uh, if we want to interview him, man, he'll be on the show. 
Are you serious? I swear to God, I got it in my wallet. Now, now we should do that. Uh, it's it, you know sometimes we'll get something and we'll tell people we'll get on the show, but then I don't end up liking it. And I don't. <laughs> so I don't know. Is it bad? Is, okay, maybe we should put out a poll. If we don't like something and we can get somebody on the show, should we get on there and just tell them we don't like it, or should we just not get them on the show? We'll get them on the show before we review the the movie or see the movie. Exactly because uh, beca- because I mean I'll be honest with you, there was one guy that that, that uh, I, I and this was a long time ago. I mean this this is probably this is over a year ago. It's like yeah, you should check this thing out, man. It's awesome. And, and then we'll come on the show. I watched it and it was such a piece of shit that. Uh, um, I was like, oh man, I don't, I don't, I don't want to bring him on because I'll be like pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> that was a piece, man. You're like shouting <laughs> questions at him. You know, and the thing is, is I, uh, I mean, I don't know. I hope, I hope nobody's that's listening is taking that personally. But honestly, if I, I ended up saying, listen, man, you know, we're going to, we're going to skip, you know, having you on the show and. Whatever, just because, you know, for, and I pretended that I, oh, man, I shouldn't even say that. I'm going to get busted. And you're just like, nah, we're too busy. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm, edit- I'm editing that whole thing out. I feel terrible. <laughs> and if anybody that, like, sent me stuff recently, which people have, they're going to be like, I wonder if he's talking about me. Apple. Oh, nice. No, they got a lisp, too. Or brain damage. <laughs> oh, no, not brain damage. <laughs> I would, I'd have them on to mock them. They screwed me enough times. They owe me. Just kidding. <laughs> anyway, anyway. The uh, memory count on this movie was 36, and I think 36 quality boobies. Well, you know, and half the time, she, some of them she were, like, all uh, dead, you know, <laughs> dead boobies, but they're okay with me. Well, the girl that uh, gets it in the bed, she was pretty cute. Oh, dude, dude. You're, you're preaching to the choir, man, man. Hey, I thought she had PNP. I thought her nipple placement was pretty perfect. Yeah, but, I mean, it takes balls to actually... Like mention that in the uh, in the movie itself, or uh, some kind of douchey quality. <laughs> Man, uh, that's awesome! I got a kick in the balls for this. Okay, the blonde guy Eric, because he, he knew entirely too much about women's underwear. Oh, the you know what? Because wasn't some of those and maybe this you know I feel like I'm really putting myself out there and setting myself up to get wasted, but. What were those? What were the two types of underwear called again? Brazilian boy shorts or something like that. And like, yeah, like just the boy thong, pants. Thong. And, yeah, and I, and I was, I was like, I was hoping I got the boy pants right because I remember they were talking about that. and I'm like, I don't even know what boy pants are, but I are boy underwear. I don't know. What it is. I don't even want to know. They look then, nice. Then I saw them and I was like, No, I wanted to. Know. Yeah, you want to know, <laughs> <laughs> man? Did you uh, learn anything from this? Uh, I learned quite a few things. First of all, make sure your girlfriend is not on the rag before you go out to party. Uh, secondly, heads make great doorstops. Uh, I assume they make decent uh, paperweights as well, but uh, they probably muck up your uh, paper. And finally, uh, I learned that I will never, ever again eat a lollipop. <laughs> nice. <laughs> ever. Oh, I learned a couple things. Well, let's hear it. I learned that blood night events are similar to a holiday we call Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> or, a, or a holiday that is called Be a Freaking Asshole. Yeah, Asshole Day. <laughs> I learned that stories about gang rape, that can pretty much kill the mood at any party. Yeah. Yeah, you don't do that. 
Well, no, was, no, you know, I disagree. It was You're a going joke. to the wrong kind of parties. What? You're going to the wrong kind of parties, my man. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, I learned that scissors are awesome for cutting heads in half. <laughs> and I learned way too many things about the hazards of menstruating. Yes. I think I think that's the prevailing uh, thing that we're going to take away from this. Oh, yeah. I have one who else said that. Okay. Says, take your right nut and get the F out of here. That's uh, Johnny's left nut threatening his dick when he decided to take over the land of Johnny's crotchville. <laughs> that was, the, oh, man, that was a bad time. <laughs> yeah. Now, now all he's left with is a freaking, it's not even a left nut anymore. It's just one nut. <laughs> it's just because they, they can join. Well, no, no, no. I mean, the the right nut and the dick are gone. All you have is one nut. Oh, wow. It's not the left nut anymore. That's even more of an oddity. Uh, especially since you no longer have an even number of nuts. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I got a couple of those. Who else said that? Okay. Want a goo goo gaga daddy's lollipop? Oh, damn it. That is a Roman Polanski pickup line. Oh! <laughs> Um, <laughs> another one. I'm sorry, bro. VIP only tonight. No kitties allowed. We can't have you pissing your little diapers during the frightening festivities. Now can we? That is the manager of a movie theater when Justin Bieber wants to see an R-rated movie. <laughs> you know, I've learned very recently who that is, and I do not. I you know, that's, I think I should get another. Somebody, please send me in a voicemail. Telling me that I'm old because I don't understand that whole thing. Oh, he's anyway. a little douche. Um, and the last one, there's a bond between mother and child that should never be broken. Some say that's where why the evil still lives on. That is an exact scientific explanation of Liza Minnelli. <laughs> Dude, are you telling me Dorothy had problems? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I mean, besides the uh, the being a dope head. And hey, and... <laughs> hey! Not all of us can be clean, man. It's real serious for some of us, you know. Okay. I got a six degrees on this too. Uh, okay. This is easy, actually. Bill Mosley was in Army of Darkness with Bruce Campbell. Dude, awesome! What would you give you this? Know, um, I would give I would give this a buy. That's what, like for sure. That's what I gave it. I gave it a buy. It's it's not going to be one of those movies that's going to become maybe a classic. But, oh, my gosh, it's so fun to watch. Oh, and I think if you had a bunch of people over and you wanted to watch a fun slasher flick, this is one you could throw on at, like, any time. Absolutely. All right, man, so uh, do we have anything else to talk about that one? I think it's it for this movie. All right, man, we'll be right back talking about Candyman. Sweet. Blood Knight, score composed by Victor Bruno and Steven Tubin. The score itself starts off with this nice, simple little piano theme that gets repeated down in the strings. a great theme. It would be great if that theme reappeared thematically throughout the movie or if uh, was used motivically so that it came back in other variations or uh, popped up in reference with the story. However, that does not happen. In fact, throughout the entire movie, you just get these random elements of chaotic sound that really don't go anywhere. I think what they were trying to do was to come up with one of those... um, crazy kind of uh, scores, much like uh, Tyler Bates did with The Devil's Rejects. The problem here is that they layer too many things going on all at once, and 
they do it in a way that doesn't quite work. Everything just feels really disjointed. It sets up a focus and then it just randomly goes nowhere. It just kind of wanders around. And that's much of what this score does throughout the entire movie. It just wanders. A big problem I think that the music for this movie runs into is the fact that Victor Bruno not only co-composed the music, he also was part of the sound design. That can cause some major issues. See, sound design and music are meant to be two separate things. They need to stay separate. And when you have one person as part of both, you start to see problems. For instance, the second half of the movie, whenever you get appearances of the Mary Hatchet ghostly thing, you get the sound of a rattlesnake that's incorporated into the score. Yeah, they didn't need to do that. It actually just kind of sounds really dumb. And for whatever reason, I don't know why in God's name they thought that the sound of a rattlesnake would come from her hairy boosh every time she appears. It makes no goddamn sense whatsoever. Yet there we have it. That is, if you actually noticed the sound while you were staring at Mary Hatchet's very firm and temptuous, yet they have the slight gleam of guilt in her boobs. Did you not notice that? Um, some other moments throughout the score that are really uh, important to pay attention to. For instance, the pickaxe murder uh, near the end. Every time the pickaxe comes down, uh, not only do you get the camera shake like the USS Enterprise is crashing, but you also get this sound in the music, um, this stabbing sound. It's, I'm pretty sure they're trying to reference uh, Bernard Herrmann's score for Psycho, with every stab in the um, um, the knife in the shower scene. The problem is they do a really bad job at it. And when you watch it, it just looks really hilarious. When they're all together in the room and they're realizing who the killer is and you get the flashbacks, what happens is when they're in the room, you get these crazy disjointed, uh, I don't know what the hell is going on, chaos music um, that really does nothing and wanders around. But then when you actually see these flashbacks, you start to get this music where it's supposed to be more like a Marco Beltrami kind of, uh, the strings are, are really uh, getting them a little more heavy and uh, following these, these kind of really cool patterns. The problem is it's orchestrated really badly. Orchestrated, I use that term, you know, loosely considering we all know there's no orchestra here. It actually starts to sound like they've written circus music. It doesn't quite work. Was that one of the sequels? I I mean, I remember The Tomatoes, but I don't remember that much Tranny Cock Taco Bush, but it was it was all right. It was pretty good. I would have I hit that dog dick. Uh, if there's one thing I could say more than anything else about this entire score is that the composer should have stayed the hell away from that snare. Every time there's a goddamn snare in this movie, the sample that they use sounds like it's from some 80s big hair band drum kit. Annoying as shit. Oh my god, I can't believe that anybody thought that that snare sound was a good idea. What the hell were they thinking on that one? Danielle Harris. Goo Goo Gaga, Daddy's Lollipop. All in all, I would probably say that this score ends up being, well, a dog dick. The following is a PSA for the Cadaver Lab forums. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Watching internet porn while listening to Grey's Slasher Central. And you, Missy, cutting people off in traffic, laughing your ass off to Stephen discussing the many uses 
of his legendary ball sack. And you, Sparky, sitting there, listening to Mike and Johnny muddle through another couple of movie reviews, wondering, what the hell could I be doing that's better than this? Well, why don't you get up off your ass and join the Cadaver Lab forums? There we discuss the podcast, movies, music, books, and TV. We even bitch about our wives. Well, okay, that last part's all me, but you get my point. So hurry up and join the discussions at the Cadaver Lab forums. We are waiting for you. The proceeding has been a PSA, pretty shitty advertisement for the Cadaver Lab forums. Thank you. Now, get on it.
right, we're back. Uh, talk about Candyman from the year 1992. Have you ever heard of Candyman? If you look in the mirror, you say his name five times. In cities everywhere. Candyman? They whisper his name. Right. Candyman. It's just a story. Candyman. Candyman. Just a ghost story. Candyman. An entire community starts attributing the daily horrors of their lives to a mythical figure. The legend first appeared in 1890. He was attacked, mutilated, and burned to death. Poor Candyman. Helen, a woman died in there. Leave it. Everyone knows he isn't real. That's modern oral folklore. Everyone. Except Helen Lyle. What is that? It ain't safe around here. That don't scare too easy. Wanna know about Ruthie Jane? They ain't never gonna catch him. Who? Candyman. Who is that? I came for you. Do I know? Is about to discover. Helen? Get out! Get out! What's behind the mystery? I'm sick. What's behind the legend? Listen, he's under the bed! And most terrifying of all, come with me. What's behind the mirror? He's here. Glass is an absolute genius. He's mostly known for his film compositions like The Illusionist and The Hours. However, he still does opera, and symphonies, and quartets. He does absolute amazing music. Um, it's considered minimalism, which shares so much with uh, metal. It's, it's insane when you start really getting down and studying this stuff. Something that I think is just so incredible about the score to pay attention to is his choice of orchestration. He uses organ and voice. Now, at the time uh, when this movie came out, horror movies were not using things like that. They were mainly using big orchestras, lots of string swells, even incorporating a lot of rock. But Philip Glass really taps into um, the ideas that Clive Barker had, especially the seduction um, that was in the story The Forbidden um, from Books of Blood. And that's so evident if you look at kind of how the score functions throughout this movie. You begin uh, with scenes of the cityscape and the organ and the voice in this D minor theme. And it's kind of this theme that he uses throughout, mainly kind of for this idea of the Candyman, for this uh, dark side of uh, whether it be humanity or the dark side of kind of society or whatever it's genius how he takes this main motive or this main pulse this main theme and he'll interchange the voice with different parts of the organ uh, the organ will only play the lower parts or it'll only play the upper parts it just it, it changes so much in there but maintains the steady pulse throughout but you get this 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 theme established at the beginning um and 
his choice of using the organ, I think, is really important in that it's this it's this instrument that we uh, kind of relate to, like Dracula or these big caverns or um, the, these dark shadows. It's not something you would automatically equate to the city or the slums uh, and the voice. You know, using the choir like he does, you wouldn't think of that with this story. However, it works perfectly because he's tapping into these kind of ancient, kind of primitive uh, ideas of seduction and, uh, you know, this darkness in our dreams and in our minds and, and kind of throughout this story that uh, Clive Barker had put in there. So you get that theme established, and then he moves on to uh, Virginia Madsen's nipple theme, which is the kind of toy piano. He plays it on a piano. It's in C minor. It's that very simple, straightforward, you know, the Candyman theme that everybody uh, would think of from this movie. It slowly begins to change throughout the movie as Virginia Madsen's uh, nipples go uh, less from strawberries and cream-flavored to more of like a, 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 a bitter raspberry later on when they're covered with blood. You'll notice that theme kind of changes. It takes on these darker elements. In fact, you don't even know it's that theme later on, um, especially when she's on the altar. That's still her theme being played there. It's that main toy piano theme. He's taken out all of those elements on top that made it what it was, and he keeps the core of it. And he's now orchestrated it for organ and voice. You watch how these two themes become each other, in fact, when they find each other in the altar and all that stuff, his theme, the Candyman's um, organ and voice theme, is then actually played on the piano. There is this switch between the two. Um, it's this brilliant idea how at the beginning of the movie you have two established themes that are completely different from each other. But by the end, there is no separation. They've kind of interwoven so that you don't know which one is which. And they alternate between the two within the pieces. It's just pure genius. It's important to note, however, that Philip Glass was not happy with the uh, final release of this movie. Um, a lot of the ideas and the elements that the story plays with visually just aren't there. Uh, through editing and, I think, in my opinion, a lot of bad lighting, they just aren't there. Uh, a lot of those elements are kind of hidden, they're brushed over, they're not really explored as much as, you know, the story kind of points to. And that's really what he was pushing for in his score, and I think that the director wanted to bring out, but for whatever reasons, they uh, kind of got washed out. In the end, however, the score is still just absolutely amazing. And this is a, an excellent movie but it really kind of stands out for its time period. Um, you know, the movie itself, the story, but, you know, Clive Barker always does that. But especially the sound and the feel that this score has just really stands alone um, for, you know, any of the contemporary movies that came out at the same time. It's just flawless. And if some gelbait with a very thin white T-shirt asked me, if I wanted to help make a salad, you can bet I would help make that goddamn salad. Now that uh, Ferguson has uh, Philip Glass's dick out of his mouth and uh, Virginia <laughs> Madsen's nipples out of his mind, you know what the thing is is about the about the soundtrack is. I think that actually plays more of a of a part in this film than most 
soundtracks play in their films. Now, I'm not saying this is the only one to do that. However, the, I mean, and, and not just the soundtrack either, but the, but the whole sound, the whole way they did sound. Um, for instance, uh, Candyman's voice was, you know, really almost ethereal, you know, and uh, that plus all of like the really goth. He's right because it seems like it's a really gothic type of of um, soundtrack. But it, 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 I don't know. If, I, it never really seemed out of place. But when all that comes together, it's amazing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and also as far as the soundtrack goes, I've heard a lot of like hard rock to metal bands actually do similar things since this movie, and I wonder if almost this was an influence on them. I I was actually watching this, and I actually thought to myself, you know what would be a great idea? Play, I mean, I, I, I just wanted to sit down, and I wanted to start figuring out uh, how, to, how to put that whole, uh, you know, just the theme he was talking about. I wanted to, like, do that on piano, but put, like, a really badass metal thing behind it or something. I, I don't know. It just... it. It, honestly, I don't. I think this movie wouldn't have been as it, nearly as good as it ended up being if it wasn't for the soundtrack and you know and some of the other sound things that they did. Um, however, I will say I was listening to this by itself once, and it seemed almost silly. The soundtrack? Yeah, yeah I, was, I mean, I was just listening to it at work or whatever, and I'm just like, wow, this is like really, really dramatic. You know, like kind of weird, but. When I watched this, I it, I didn't it didn't seem like it was out of place at all, you know. Even though, you know, even though, like he said, you know, it's this gothic thing. It's set in a you know in kind of a, an urban setting, you know. But it, it it seemed to fit really really well. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, uh, directed by Bernard Rose, uh, he is actually writing the screenplay for another Barker adaptation uh, called The Thief of Always. Okay. Um, it, and he also played a fake chimp on Army of Darkness. Uh, let's see. It was written by Clive Barker, obviously. Uh, he wrote the story. And uh, Bernard Rose uh, did the screenplay. Uh, by the way, whatever happened to that Hellraiser remake? Uh, it got scrapped. Is it done? We yeah, done? I Yeah, I mean, after the guy from Martyrs got kind of pushed off it, I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's evolved at all after that. I don't think it has either. Anyways, uh, budget for this was uh, estimated about $8 million. It grossed uh, $25.8 million. Uh, let's see, the IMDb score gave it a 6.5. Virginia Madsen and her nipples played Helen Lyle. <laughs> Tony Todd played the Candyman slash Daniel Robitaille. Uh, Xander Berkeley played Trevor Lyle, who is Virginia Madsen's husband in this movie. Uh, Cassie Lemons. Like, for real. <laughs> Cassie Lemons. That sounds like a dirty porn name. Anyways... She played uh, Bernadette Walsh, and uh, Vanessa Williams played Anne Marie McCoy. Vanessa Williams? It's the it's a it's not the singer, it's the actress. Oh, I was like, wow, she looked like shit. She went a long way from doing that theme from Aladdin. <laughs> Luther Vandross. A whole new world. By the way, if you ever if you ever not refer to him as Luther Vandross again, I will kick you in the balls. Is that how you say that? No, I don't know. I just oh. wanted to give everyone an excuse to take a drink. I, I figure they're going to need to get lubricated a little more. You know, if you, you know, it would make more sense if you uh, threatened to kick my balls after singing the theme from Aladdin. Oh, I actually really enjoy it. <laughs> don't you dare close your eyes. Are you kidding me? I know that whole song. Okay. 
Do you want me to go? Do you want me to go off? Can I play Luther Vandross's uh, part and you do the other one? <laughs> uh, we need a magic carpet. Uh, how about uh, magic crotch carpet? Anyway, uh, let's, go over the, let's go over the plot. Helen Lyle's a graduate student uh, at a college in Chicago, Illinois, or around there. Uh, she's actually conducting research on some urban legends, which, by the way, I freaking wish I could have done an awesome paper for my, you know, my graduate degree. This would have been fun as hell to do, don't you think? Urban legends. I, it'd be awesome until you I mean, actually I, uh, got, you know, <laughs> you, you got, you know, framed well, for right, crimes right, right. and all sorts of other crazy shit. Well, you I got wonder uh, by a guy in the bathroom full of crap on the walls. Well, anyway, uh, so she's writing this paper on uh, urban legends. Her husband teaches at the college actually as well, and uh, uh, has a student in there that likes to wear uh, see-through white shirts. Anyway, so she hears of a local legend named Candyman. Uh, basically, uh, we mentioned uh, that Tony Todd played Candyman and Daniel Robitaille. Daniel Robitaille was actually a slave who was a very talented artist. Uh, a plantation owner actually had him paint his daughter. Um, you know, family portrait type of deal. However, uh, he and his daughter fell, he and the plantation's uh, master's uh, daughter fell in love. And uh, she became pregnant. Is that right? She became pregnant? She did, and that's how... The the owner found out that she was sleeping with Candyman, which that poses a problem for me. Okay. Because he was about seven, eight foot tall, you know, Candyman. So yeah. I think she would have been walking funny way before that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Back then, it's okay to get uh, for your daughter to, to do with a horse, but not a black man. <laughs> so he was used to that already. Wow, was that, was that bad anyway? That's awesome. Um, Anyway, uh, so basically, the the plantation owner got pissed off and uh, went after Daniel Robitaille, cut off his hand, covered him in uh, honey, and uh, threw him at some in a you know on a bee farm or whatever you call those, and they just uh, wreaked havoc. Um, anyway, so uh, you know as the urban legend comes uh, or happens, it it uh, he became Candyman, who was a killer who was summoned by anybody who says his name five times in the mirror, just like. Uh, Mickey D. Bastard said, um, you know, just like the Bloody Mary deal. Um, but, you know, so, I mean, it, it kind of a, it does what normal urban legends do. And uh, Helen and her friend Bernadette are just going around kind of, you know, interviewing people, trying to figure out, you know, what people have heard about Candyman, what some of their experiences have been. You know, and it's funny because, yeah, it, there's always that, oh, my cousin's girlfriend did said this and it happened to her and all that stuff. I, I always think that's kind of funny when we're talking about urban legend stuff. Anyway, um, so Helen and Bernadette actually one time, they were just hanging out. They decided to go be hilarious and, and say that into the, the mirror five times. Um, anyway, life goes back to normal. Um, uh, she continues to do her research. She continues to, uh, you know, get closer to, uh, you know, some, some of the things that seem to have really happened. Um, she hears of the place where the legend spawned was actually a place called Cabrini Green, which is uh, now a housing project that is basically uh, just ruled by gangs. And, you know, and it's just a really shitty place. It's all run down. Seems scary. You know? Oh, I mean, I would be more scared of that than freaking Candyman. Oh, yeah. I'll be honest, I'll be honest with you. Um, um, so she, but she went back a couple times and she talked to some of the building's tenants and she was taking all sorts of pictures. 
Um, but just like you were talking about, the second time she ran into a gangster in a freaking public toilet and the, who uh, took on the Candyman moniker or whatever, you know, just to just name, just to kind of, I guess, be scary or something. He carried her around a hook and he actually beat her over the head or beat her in the face uh, and knocked her out. It, it turns out that, you know, they, they, they figured everything out. They got the pictures from, even though she got beat up in the, in the bathroom, she got those pictures. And uh, she's pretty stoked about it. She's walking in a parking garage to her car. And all of a sudden, uh, Daniel Robitaille as the Candyman shows up. Now, this scene was kind of, not, not necessarily really bizarre, but, but it was kind of, it was, it was just kind of an, your, your introduction to um, what scenes with Candyman are going to be like. Because it's like every time he shows up, it almost, the movie kind of takes a dreamlike, uh, you know, detour. Absolutely. And, and oh, go ahead. Well, no, you know how Ferguson compared this to the soundtrack to something like Dracula, something more gothic? Right. Whenever Candyman showed up, it felt like he had that, that kind of power to put someone in a trance-like state. Right. Well, and you know like what's Dracula. funny is, is even, uh, what's her name, Victoria, oh, wow, gosh, dang, what's her name, Helen? Uh, Virginia Madsen, she said that uh, she actually was hypnotized for part of this movie. And it's, it's uh, it, at parts in this movie. She claims that, that she was. Anyways, I mean, at that point, you know, is Eric trying to converse? Of course, Candyman has that really low, ethereal-type voice. And, uh, you know, she's, she all of a sudden kind of looks like she goes into a little bit of a daze, you know? She, um, and it's funny, I don't know if you noticed, but they kind of did that old-style leading lady camera-type deal where they kind of not really fuzzed it, not like blurred it or anything, but just kind of made a softer light. And then they, they put like the like a streak of light on her eyes. Oh, absolutely. You know, and just kind of made her like in this dreamy, you know, dream type of situation. Anyways, I thought that was a really good job. Are, are, you, well, are you saying like they really put her in a, like the actress? I'm saying she claims that they did. Wow, that's kind of weird. I never heard of that. No, yeah, I mean it's on IMDb, so take take it, you know. I'm gonna look at, <laughs> take gonna it look with a grain of salt. Well, you're you're thinking, man, all I gotta do is hypnotize ladies, and they get all like dreamy eyed. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> well, just... I never heard of a movie doing something like that though. That's really cool. Well, man. yeah, look it up. You know, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna look it up again, and if I'm full of crap, I'm gonna edit this whole thing out. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm pretty sure I read that. Anyway, um, so. Uh, basically, you know, it's a bizarre conversation. He's telling her to be his victim, to join him and be immortal. And uh, basically, um, you know, she's like, to, I guess to prove that, she, that he has power over her, she passes out and she wakes up in an apartment of one of the female tenants of, in Cabrini Green. And uh, she's in the bathroom. There's all sorts of blood all over the place. She walks in. Um, there is a Rottweiler with his head cut off. She picks up the murder weapon and walks into where the lady is screaming in her apartment and her baby's missing. First of all, things that I learned from movies, never pick up the freaking murder weapon. Okay? Never. Well, I mean, she could have thought someone was attacking the other lady, I guess. Maybe, but what? But what the crap? But, well, <laughs> oh, jeez. It, it, <laughs> it became very obvious that... That it wasn't that that wasn't the case. Absolutely. Once she started running at her, screaming, <laughs> pulling her hair out, man. Oh, it was bad. Well, so of course, uh, you know, she gets blamed for this whole deal, and and she goes to jail. Um, 
you know, she of course she gets out on bail and whatever, and you know, all sorts of other shit happens, and uh, you know, her life starts obviously going to pot. Uh, not only is she getting in more trouble with the law and being uh, accused of more in heinous crimes, but her husband's left her, and uh, blah blah blah. And uh, the ending, in my opinion, is freaking awesome. In fact, the first time I saw like the very end part, you know, I was pretty. I mean, I, oh, I was probably. You know, I was probably 16, so I wasn't, like, a little kid, but it scared the crap out of me, man. The whole ending was awesome. I, uh, You know, I, and, and, and that's basically, I think that's basically I, uh, I'll talk about as the plot, but uh, no, great freaking movie. Um, it's the first time I noticed Tony Todd, and uh, I still refer to him as Candyman. <laughs> like everything yeah. you see him in. Oh, it's Candyman, sweet! <laughs> well, you know, um, as far as the ending goes... I, I don't think it was really a shock because I think the whole movie he kind of um he kind of led on that she would become a legend like him. Yeah. But I, I think it was such a cool way to end the movie. It was so awesome. No, and it but I mean the whole I don't know, it just and plus it the visual, like I said when I was sixteen, it scared me. Maybe I'm a big plus, but whatever. <laughs> well you were just getting into women and that movie is <coughs> not a great yeah. introduction into women. <laughs> well, the first part was because uh, there were a lot of uh, bees, but well, not a lot. <laughs> speaking speaking of bees, uh, they actually used uh, real bees for this. Um, in his mouth? Yeah, they were actually in Tony Todd's mouth. He had a little guard, I guess, so they wouldn't like go go down his throat. But those were really bees, and in his mouth, um, you know, everywhere except you know, obviously there was a few parts where it was quite obviously. You know, uh, special effects, but you know, I mean, when they looked real, they were real, basically, and uh, they were actually, uh, which is bizarre to me because uh, what's her name, uh, Virginia Madsen's actually allergic to bees, so they had to have like an ambulance sitting around all the time. <laughs> I don't know. I'd just be like, dang man, she man CG this shit. So she, she's we'll... hypnotized the whole time, working around stuff she's like gonna <laughs> die from if they sting her. No, she's hypnotized the whole time. <laughs> like, wow, this is. I wonder what her manager was thinking when she got this role. It's like, well, <laughs> no, this will yeah. be her last role, so <laughs> ever because she is gonna die. <laughs> um, you know, one thing that was really scary, like for real, in this movie, just a thought of it is, is one of the biggest one of the biggest points of uh, uh, of how the Candyman urban legend uh, kind of lasted this long. Is, and, and people claim that, that it actually had happened to them. It's because of a flaw in the architecture in the you know in the apartment building. Basically, these were you know separate apartments. However, their bathrooms you know between apartments they the only separation was the medicine chests you know the mirror and the mirror. If you take out both of them, it's a hole. And apparently, like th- that's that's a real thing. Apparently, it's happened in the past. Like that. People have figured that flaw out and entered somebody else's apartment through that, you know, using that way. That's scary. And that is really scary because it's like, you know, especially when you live in a place like Cabrini Green, man. (laughs) You don't want the person on the other side of the wall coming into your apartment. Well, I don't want anybody coming into my apartment, but especially there. You know, I mean. Well, I would let Virginia Madsen come in my apartment. (laughs) Not if you just, never mind. I was going to spoil the movie, but. (laughs) No, I, uh. No, that I mean that is creepy as heck, if you ask me. Oh, absolutely, it, dude! It, it was really creepy. I, uh, anyway, well, and um, she goes and explores it. I mean, I mean, she goes through the hole. 
Oh, yeah, she had a lot of balls. Yeah, I wouldn't have. I mean, and she kept going through other holes. I mean, it was like every wall had a hole in it. Uh, it's just like every woman. I'm, I'm editing that out. <laughs> no. <laughs> That was so rude. No, but seriously, anyway. like, like she, like, even when she gets to the point that she's crawling through the part of the wall that is his mouth, right? She'd already gone through like three different walls. Oh, oh man, that's ridiculous. I mean, at that point, I'd be like, I'm going back. I'm. Her friend was. Well, and it was hell. Oh, I don't know. I just in that kind of a in that kind of an environment where you know the thing is is Cabrini Green's real. You know, it's a real place in Chicago. Oh really? And yeah, they actually um, had to—they uh, actually did a lot of filming there. And uh, the producer, or whatever, actually talked to the gang members that lived there, and had them be extras in the movie. Oh, so it's really like a slum. Yeah, and, and the and uh, the funny thing is, is it's like, okay, well, yeah, we want to film here. You can be in the movie if you promise not to kill us. Yeah. You know. But actually, a sniper actually shot at one of their vans the last day of shooting there. Like a so, like a gang sniper? I didn't know the gangs had snipers. Dude, th- that's because the second you know they have one, you're already dead. Well, yeah, but they, I don't, the I don't they, know. Maybe a sniper was a bad thing, but they found a bullet hole well, in there. When they do drive-bys, <laughs> they don't seem to really hit a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> they just they kind of hit walls and stuff. Listen, these these guys are poor, man. They don't have cars. You know, so some dudes, some dudes on his bike, like a mile away, shooting a sniper rifle. So okay, just so we can uh, let me let me go ahead and backtrack a second. So okay. we have um, a bee allergy, hypnosis, yes. a yes. sniper from a gang. <laughs> I, I don't know sniper is the right word. Come on. Well, she's got but no, she's but for gang real territory for real. But she, but they are there, and I, I assume it was all those. Dudes that played gangsters in the movies that were actually the the extras that played gangsters, and they were all little assholes. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say that to their face. I would, as long as I'm not in their face. <laughs> I, I would, as if long as they were uh, listening you know, to the show. One, one at a time, wearing a, a bodysuit that I could see that I could tell he was harboring no weapons. <laughs> it's pretty sad when Can- when uh, Tony Todd walks on the set in his like full gear, and you're like, "Oh wow, this is a relief. I get to work with someone who's an actor and not a gang member." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. I think that's bizarre. You know, it and really is. is. This is, this is, I mean, and I'll be honest with you, this is one of my favorite movies, especially from that time period. Oh, yeah. You know, and uh, I don't know, it spawned two sequels, not, neither of which I really loved. Uh, the Farewell to the Flesh Part 2 was actually, I thought it was okay. I liked it. Three sucked. You know, oh, three, what was her name? Donna Dierko was in it. And, and uh, had uh, Rod Lane from Nightmare on Elm Street. Who was it? Rod Lane, uh, the guy who played Rod Lane, Jesu Garcia. Oh, it did? Yeah, he was the main yeah, dude in it. okay. Oh, freaking, I don't remember. It's been so long. I just thought that was a piece of shit. I did like Donna Dierko a lot at that at that point in time, though. She was, she was, that was during the Baywatch years. Not for her acting so much? Well, uh, yeah, correct. <laughs> <laughs> she was smoking. Oh, uh, man, but I don't know. That's all I got as far as this movie. As far as uh, what I would give it, I, you know, I'm really close on a bone saw, but I'm going to give this one a really high buy. Um, there's, uh, you know, I don't really know why there's, but that's just what I'm going with. I'm not going to explain it. I'm just going to say I'm going with my gut. I would give it a high buy based on the pacing. Just because once it gets toward the end, it drags a lot. But I mean, this movie never loses my interest, but it definitely slows down to the point where 
it, it gets it definitely it drags along. Right. Hey, um, okay. Um, you know what I really liked about this movie? What? Uh, the really kick-ass aerial shots over the city. Yeah. There were a lot of them. There were about it, six of them. Well, and it's funny because you, you pair those with the music that was going on. You know, I can see that, that, you know, I don't know, it just made it seem otherworldly. Just that music, even though it's just a dumb city. Just a regular old city. Oh, yeah. But it, but it set me kind of at unease. Anyway, the memory count on this was four, but I'm gonna go ahead and add an extra six based on the the last scene in the movie where Trevor's girlfriend is basically showing her boobs through her shirt. <coughs> you yes. can see the color of the nipples, dude. Actually, she's actually wearing a t-shirt with nipples on the front, so that those shouldn't count. What <laughs> <laughs> it looked like it. Um. Do you have a kick in the balls for this one? Uh, I do have a kick in the balls. That pompous professor with the giant mullet. Oh, they, oh the guy who she said she was going to waste or bury. She's yeah. going to bury him. I, you know, it, they have this dinner, and of course, it's with uh, Trevor. Is Trevor and uh, and uh, Helen, and you know, in this guy from the college. And so there are all these academia people, and they're, you know, they're having their high class dinner, and blah blah, and they think they're all awesome. They're, they're all smoking. Yeah, and it's like you know what. You pompous assholes. And then that guy, not only was he part of that, but he was so, like, ugly looking. And, but he thought he was just so, I don't know, just the look at his face made me want to, like, punch him in the face. I don't know. Well, she she tells him she's going to waste him, and he's like, oh, you're going to waste me? How are you going to waste me if you don't even know the story of Candyman? And then he tells the story. So it's like, that's how I'm going to waste you, because you just told me, bitch. Yeah, he's a bastard. Um, I didn't like it. I didn't like his look. <laughs> I didn't either. My kick of the balls goes to Trevor because uh, I don't know. He was very obvious about everything he did in this movie, which was basically have this affair with his. He had a he had an affair on his wife, and she was going through all this crap. But at the same time, he wasn't making it at all discreet. You know, in his defense, she was wanted for murder. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> brutal look, murder. Okay, I'm just saying. I was going to ask just, you, do you think uh, Virginia Madsen hot or not? In this hot? Well, like in general, she's hot now, I think. Mm, I don't know. She's She's gotten, I mean, obviously it's been what? It's almost been 20 years. Oh, I think the 20 I, years I just, is just, it's like a wine, dude. It just, it ages <laughs> so nicely. Well, I think it's more like a grape. It uh... turns into a raisin? <laughs> well, that's not a grape. It's, it's not a plum. What is that? <laughs> Great turn in raisins, but yeah, I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say that, but it just for some reason it was too funny to me. I couldn't get it out. But uh, no, you know what? Because I just saw her. She's in a new like TV show. Or is she bad looking? And I just, well, you know, I mean, she's just, I mean, she's fine looking. She just looks older. She's kind of like, you know, like okay. I mean, I'm not gonna be a, a, a jerk or anything like that. But you know, when you can like tell that there's an attractive older woman. But you don't like have like that feeling about it, you know? Uh, well, sure. I mean, uh, I'm attracted to older women in general, so. Well, well, what? Then, okay, okay. But like, but like, okay. Never mind. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm I'm being so rude. No, dude, it's cool. Well, and it's not, and it's not like I I don't know, but it's it's just kind of like okay, so there's a woman, you know. And you could tell, man, she was probably hot when she was younger. 
you know? Oh, yeah. And you, and you respect that, you know? It's like, wow, she could teach me a thing or two. <laughs> but, but at the same time, you're like, she could teach me a thing or two. But I'm afraid that those, that her vaginas become more like a Venus flytrap. <laughs> and I would get caught in the tendrils. <laughs> or the cavern. Okay, that was I'm that's that's not going in. No, come on. <laughs> that was awesome. Now, that was so rude. I will say this. I saw Virginia Madsen in the number twenty three and she looked oh. she was still good looking. And then yeah. then I saw the movie sucked though. Oh I loved it. Oh I I hated that oh, movie. Oh so I see I loved that. I thought it was awesome. I uh but she was also in Sideways and although that was a shitty movie. She got naked in it. I love Sideways. Oh, see, look at us, man. No, I'm just kidding. I've never seen oh, Sideways. Oh, see, Sideways was I a ball sack. You up. So you would love that one. It was a what? A ball sack. So you would <laughs> love it. So I would love a good one, dick. <laughs> no, no, I don't even I don't even know if I've heard of Sideways. Sideways was only about two, three you know years what? apart from number 23, though. So she was about the same age. Listen, I, I got to I gotta make, a, I gotta make a, a, an explanation. It's not that I think she's old, okay? I don't. Well, she I is. Just, she's like 60. No, I don't know how she's... No, she's like and, and I don't want to be all rude about it, but it's just like, I, I think that I think that when I look at her, I can see her scolding me for using, you know, improper grammar or slouching or something nowadays. Oh, I almost hope she does, dude, with a ruler and everything. <laughs> all right. <laughs> she was just in that uh, one where they went to that house and there's all that crap going on. I never saw that. The Hunting in Connecticut? Yeah. Was she good? Uh, was that good? Uh, it was okay. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't freaking awesome. It was PG-13, so. No, you know, and I actually, uh, I I watched it. I don't, I remember, I don't remember much about it, to be honest with you. So I, I can't remember if it, how good it was. I don't know. I probably just threw it on. If it's PG-13, that probably means I threw it on when my family was still up and running around. So I didn't have to, like, worry about boobs and stuff. If one of the kids walked in, and I was probably doing work, so that's why I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, who else said that? Sure. What oh, you got? They found it floating in a toilet. Can't fix that. Better off dead. That was John Bobbitt. Are you serious? No, he didn't. He didn't really. Wait, 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 wait. Did you just make it a John Bobbitt reference? Oh hell yeah, dude! Because I have one for the next movie. Do you really? Yeah. For the same, for John Bobbitt? Well, it's for Lorena Bobbitt. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Because, uh, hey, make a note, we have not communicated at all. We have not. We just think about severed peni holes I, a lot. <laughs> that's awesome. I have one more uh, who else said that. Okay. I hear you're looking for Candyman, bitch. Well, you found him. Mike, that was your uh, pickup line in college, right? <laughs> hey, you're looking for Candyman, bitch. Get on my lollipop and goo goo gag on my lollipop. <laughs> you can never say that. That's so bad. <laughs> so, that's just so dirty. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the the the, the guy who uh, raped Mary Hatchet anyway. Oh, that was bad. It was awesome, though. Uh, I hated that line. It made me feel so uncomfortable. Well, that guy was uncomfortable. <laughs> Well, you, oh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right, I got it. Who else said that? The pain, I assure you, will be exquisite. As for our deaths, there will be nothing to fear. Our names will be written on a thousand walls. Our crimes told and retold by our faithful believers. We shall die together in front of their very eyes and give them something to be haunted by. 
Come with me and be immortal. That's uh, every gothic dude's pickup line. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that's, that's straight from Twilight, dude. <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a voicemail about that now too. It's like, dude, it's you know what, man? If you understood gothic people at all, you wouldn't even say that. <laughs> you would have no you have no idea, man. I have no idea. Like I said, I, I am just too old and naive. You can't blame me. Blame my generation. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, I have another dumb one, but it says uh, you're not content with the stories, so I was obliged to come. That was the phone sex. <laughs> that was the phone sex lady when she decided just to finish herself off when she when it wasn't working on the dude on the other end of the phone. <laughs> it's pretty bad when you're paying them and they want it to end. Exactly. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. <clears throat> oh man. Oh, I, uh, what do you got? <clears throat> I learned a couple things. Syrup. I learned that feces translates into text quite well. Oh my gosh, and it was delicious, I'm sure. And I also learned that white people can get arrested in the ghetto, too. <laughs> don't make this about race, man. Hey, it's not, but... Hey. Don't, don't make this about race. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I, I have another kick in the balls. Oh, okay. To the director of this movie for casting Ted Raimi... As the bad boy. Oh, my God, dude. At the very beginning, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say right now that if you're casting Ted Raimi to be like that bad boy hunk, yeah, you obviously have a bad casting director. Well, the thing is, is the funny, it's obviously now that I found out that the director played a fake shimp on Army of Darkness. I mean, that's the hookup there. Oh, yeah, the but, and, that, and that's actually how, uh, yeah, so that's the friend, but that's how the Six Degrees goes because Ted Raimi was in... Uh, I'm your darkness, and my name is Bruce, and you name it, and he was in it with Bruce, you know. Yeah, but anyway, I think the uh, the I think I counted thirty three things he was in with Bruce Campbell. Yeah, so Have take your pick. pick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man. Oh my gosh, I still still feel kind of dirty about saying that goo goo gaga thing. Oh, that's awesome, man. Hey, <laughs> we'll make that another time. You take a drink, kiss whenever. <laughs> You say something just... I will never say that again. Let's hope, let's hope not. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, sweet man, you got anything else? No, that's it for this one. All right, let's take a quick break. See
And we're back with Behind the Mask from 2006, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. The boy murdered Silas, buried his body in the fields, and dragged Molly from the house, hanging her in the farm's apple orchard. That boy, he's going to be the best yet. Everybody thinks we just wake up one morning and start obsessing about a girl and start stalking her, killing everybody that gets in the way. That does seem to happen a lot with you guys. There's always been hacks out there. One hit wonders. Just cheapens it. That's great, honey. Welcome to my allegedly ancestral home. There are 11 exits from the first floor. And another eight or nine that might be manageable from the second floor. You want to eliminate as many as you can from being practical. I'll wait here for them to start doing their thing. All the obvious weapons I've sabotaged. Why are you doing this? We're not going to have this conversation. Oh, why? What? You nope. Get in the van. You have no idea who you're dealing with. So how will this play out? How will this work? You won't like what you see. I promise you that. This is like my Christmas. I'm so happy. Make sure you're getting this. say this incredibly long title why the hell would you name your movie anything that ungodly long that's just irresponsible my brain may be hemorrhaging right now because of that shit oh my god why would you do that music was composed by gordy hobb gordy's one of these uh, younger composers that's kind of making his way up the ranks recently um he hasn't really been picked up by any of the major studios yet 
but he is creating some buzz, especially actually because of the score. You see, this movie, uh, the idea is to pay homage to the slasher franchises and all these horror franchises, but at the same time, not just repeat them to uh, kind of be witty about it and establish its own mythology and its own killer, not unlike Scream. See, the problem that arises, its ugly head here, is that in paying this much homage to the franchises, the composer could come in and just quote, or straight up do the and that shit would suck. See, it would just be ungodly lame if they tried to copy a score. But what's nice is Gordy is smart enough to know not to do that. He's a good enough composer that he can come up with his, with his own themes, with all his own composition. But how he references um, these other scores, and especially he references uh, the Friday the 13th franchise, is he orchestrates his stuff or uses elements that Manfredini did um, in his score. So even though his themes are new, his themes are his own, he actually even has his own Leslie Vernon theme, he never makes it outright just blatantly quoting these other franchises, which works really well. Because you have that sense of uh, almost uh, deja vu when you hear these. Like, you know that element of the theme, or you know that kind of sound, but it's not exactly the same as you heard it in the other movie. Um, he does a really good job with this. He knows this stuff well enough to, uh, to do this. But one thing that really sticks out in his uh, compositional style is the way that he uses the piano and orchestrates underneath it. It's something that he does just like Graham Revell, and a lot of this score sounds kind of like some of the themes from Freddy vs. Jason, but it sounds a ton like uh, the Fog remake, starring that Superman bitch. What you find throughout this entire score are these really well-done themes that, that reference kind of all these uh, other franchise horrors. There's a lot in there um, that kind of uh, harkens back to uh, Elm Street, um, but he doesn't go digital throughout uh, his score, so it doesn't sound a lot like uh, the other Elm Street scores. It sounds mostly like the second one by uh, Christopher Young. Even though Gordy establishes a theme for Leslie Vernon, he doesn't outright quote it throughout the entire movie or make it so obvious that it keeps reoccurring, which is something he actually could have done because that's very common in slashers and very common in uh, the serial killer uh, movies. He instead just kind of plays with it and keeps the, the music uh, kind of secondary. If you pay attention to how things move, you kind of have, you know, essentially two movies going on here with the POV stuff and then the kind of real world, I guess you would put it or whatever. He, for the most part, stays out of all of the handheld cam stuff and sticks mainly to the movie itself, if that makes sense. It, that kind of offers a little more of that element of reality that's established through the handheld camera stuff, um, through the interviews and stuff like that. Um, overall, there's no uh, outright theme from this movie that's incredibly memorable um, or catchy, but he does a really good job to enhance uh, the moods throughout and really kind of have fun with what's going on. He never takes everything too serious, but at the same time, he never puts too much uh, humor in his score uh, to kind of ruin what's what's happening or to uh, destroy or undermine 
the idea of, of, of Leslie Vernon as an actual killer. He does a great job with the score. I'm thinking about asking him to prom. There might be champagne involved. Don't tell my mom. And, uh, you know, we'll see where things go from there. The IMDb for this movie is a 6.9. In the plot synopsis, the next great horror psycho slasher has given a documentary crew exclusive access to his life as he plans his reign of terror over the sleepy town of Glen Echo, all the while deconstructing the conv- oh, sorry, the conventions and archetypes of the horror villain for them. And uh, this movie is written by Scott Glosserman and David J. Steve, and directed by Scott Glosserman, who I don't know if he's done anything else. Do you know? Um... Actually, I looked it up, and he, I, obviously, I mean, he did other stuff, but but um, I don't I don't think I recognize anything else here. Let me pull it up real quick, just to look, look over it one more quick time. I'm getting tongue-tied. He, he um, oh, he's, uh, let's see. No, like, he did, he did Truth in Numbers, Everything According to Wikipedia. Yeah, he did, <laughs> he did jack shit, which is amazing, kind of, because I think that this is a, I mean, a well-directed movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, this movie's so great, dude. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying that a first-timer can't do a good job or something that hasn't done much, has, can't, can't do a good job. I'm just saying it seemed like it seemed like it was uh, had maybe some experience behind it. Oh, this was basically, um, and I've heard this as a quote, but it was basically if Christopher Guest, who did, you know, This is Spinal Tap and Best right. of the Show, if he did right. a movie for horror fans. Right. And it was, it was just as good That's as... That's actually a really good... Description of it. Oh, it really is. I right? happen to freaking think that guy's hilarious. Oh, Christopher Guest. Yeah. Oh, his yeah. movies are great, dude. Um, Mighty Wind is one of my favorites. I love that. You know, I haven't seen that one yet, so I have to. I, saw, I even love that dog show one. Oh, they're all really cool. I mean, my least favorite is uh, was it Four Year Consideration, which is the newest one. It was oh, good, but it wasn't as funny. Uh, anyway, um, but this movie stars Nathan Basil as Leslie Vernon. Angela Gothel's from, uh, she's from Home Alone <laughs> as Taylor Gentry, Robert England as Doc Halloran, Scott Wilson as Eugene, Zelda Rubenstein as Mrs. Collingwood, Collinwood, Ben Pace as Doug Johnson, and Britton Spellings as Todd Best. And Ben Pace and Britton Spellings, uh, if you ever get a chance to watch the commentary on this, uh-huh. it's them two, Angela Gothel's and Nathan Basil. And Angela Goballs. Goballs. And uh, the two guys, the camera dudes, yeah, they are hilarious in the commentary. They seem hilarious, dude, uh, in dude, the movie. In the commentary, seriously, they made me laugh harder than the movie made me laugh. Oh, I'll have to watch that then because oh, they're I, good. I, I might do that tonight because I mean, I yeah, I watch this. It's it, this is like kind of one of those movies. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But this is one of those movies that you watch and you kind of want more of. So I think I'll check that out. You know, and and I had heard a lot about this movie when it first came out both ways i'd heard that it was really stupid and that it didn't deliver on the horror and then i heard that it was such a like a, a huge step for you know the genre when i finally saw it i didn't know what i was watching because I, I didn't read anything about it as far uh-huh. as the plot and stuff and oh dude the first time i watched this this <laughs> automatically became like a favorite man this movie oh dude is so awesome do you know it's funny and 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 maybe I'm a jerk for for thinking this, but uh, before I before I ever saw this movie, I'd heard about it, and I'd only heard good things. So I mean, a little bit different that way. I hadn't really even heard any like full on reviews, but I'd heard, oh yeah, it's good, you know that type of stuff. Um, anyway, I saw uh, online or something. I saw a picture of uh, Basil, 
Oh, and uh, Nathan? Nathan, and I'm just like, this guy's a slasher? Because, <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, think about it. He just looks like some normal dude. You know, I mean, he, he, was, he wasn't big. He wasn't, you know, he was just some normal skinny guy. Uh, I mean, he was he was just some funny looking, I mean, not funny, but, but I mean, in the movie he was funny. But I mean, he's just some normal looking kind of wussy dude, you know. His, but, his looks and the way he acted reminded me of, like, Dane Cook. But if, like, Dane Cook were funny. <laughs> you know? No, but I'm serious. I mean, even in, in, you know, when you start it and he's there, his whole character in the beginning, it's like, uh, you know, he, he, he seemed like he'd be a cool guy to hang around, you know? And uh, it's like, yeah, he's funny. He plays tricks, you know, jokes. He, he plays tricks on you. It's so fun. No, he, he you know, he's just joking around. He's, he's you know, he doesn't take himself seriously. He doesn't seem to take himself too seriously. You know, and, but he's just some little dude. So I'm like, wow, how are they going to make this scary? <laughs> you yeah. know, as far as the mockumentary uh, viewpoint is concerned, uh-huh. there are there are two kinds. There's the good, which is something like this, or like a Christopher Guest movie. Uh-huh. And then there's the bad. And the whole time I watched this, I thought of a movie I watched a couple of years ago, and I think I remember you saying you didn't like it either. But Shelley and I watched it, and we thought it was a t- just crap. What it was is it? a brutal massacre? Oh, I liked Brutal Massacre. Did you really? Yeah, because he said LMBs. I say LMBs. But that movie was bad. Lick my balls. You know, it's so funny. I mean, that that was a whole big deal. Steven, Steven, uh, I can't remember who won it, but somebody, we gave that away in a douche cast, and uh, he wanted to give away his uh, copy of Brutal Massacre because he hated it. Oh, I thought you hated it, too. No, 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 but I liked it, so so he sent it to me to sign, and I sent it along. That's awesome. Because he goes, you're like the only dude that's ever going to like this movie. I don't know. I thought it was okay. That you know, the, funny. O- the only redeeming thing about that movie was uh, Gunnar Hansen. Like, and, he, he was funny. But the rest the, of it was terrible. And the fact that it was Lick My Balls Productions. Was it really? Yeah, L&Bs. That's funny. I don't know, man. I bought it the week it came out because I heard such good things about it. And it had, uh-huh. like, the dude from Clerks in it and a couple of people I liked. Right. And uh, we watched it, and I was like, this is just a piece of crap. Well, it had David Naughton in it. Had, uh, From uh, American Werewolf? Yeah. I don't remember him in that. He was the director. Dude, it's been so long since I've seen it. It was like 2006, I think. Oh, my gosh, four years ago. I can remember all sorts of stupid Rain Man shit, but I can't remember that. But here's the thing. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. <laughs> here's the thing. If it, if it were good, I'd probably remember more about it. If it were good, I'd remember your mom, too. Let's get over this. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. No, uh, but that's the thing. is, like, I think this stood this stood out as being an awesome mockumentary. Like, it felt realistic. Uh-huh. You know what? There's two things I didn't like about it. And I'll get them off my, my plate now. First of all. No male nudity. No, I like that. Oh. Um, second, uh, no, no, first thing is, is that I found the 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 leading girl, not like irritating, but a little bit off-putting. She was obnoxious and all. Yeah. I think she was. I, I don't like her in anything I've seen her in. I've never seen her in anything besides this, thank goodness. But she almost reminded me of uh, Heather Donahue from Blair Witch. You know, same type of deal. And, and, I mean, they do the same thing. They try to act all professional. And I was like, oh, my gosh, just be yourself. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, um, that's one part I didn't like. The second part, once I found out how funny the camera dudes were, I wish that they were in it more. Oh, I know, man. <laughs> Other than that. <laughs> I really, I seriously, I think if you watch the commentary, you'll 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 enjoy this movie a little bit more. I'm going to watch the commentary. 
I'm, in fact, I might. Uh, it's actually getting late, so I might do it tomorrow. Till tomorrow, but still. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, this movie had so many cool things, and it had like, like uh, McBastard two thousand said, it had a crapload of homages to horror movies in it. Oh, oh, dude, you could like. I mean, they were. It's like oh, the whole time I'm like oh, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. You know, because they kept doing those. It's like. Um, I remember the first time I ever watched this, I was explaining all those to my wife, and they were coming at us so fast that uh, I couldn't get, I couldn't explain them all. Well, I mean, there's the, I mean, it's kind of a spoiler, but Leslie's last name is Mancuso, which is Frank Mancuso from, he produced all the Friday the 13th movies. Right. Um, the Jump Ripping Girls, when they're like spotting the Virgin Girl. Uh-huh. That's from Elm Street. You have the Elm Street house with Kane Hodder. Well, dude, I mean, the whole they 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 continually talk about, you know, uh, some of the some of the the artists. They made it an art, you know. Oh yeah. Mike and and Jason and Fred and you know blah blah blah. And it's I think it's even funny because they, I mean, there even comes a point. I can't remember exactly what he says, but he says, yeah, there were a lot of imposters, there were a lot of fakers that came out wannabes, but they only did it once and then they were gone. You know, like That's I mean, awesome. how many slashers, came, you know, came out. They were tr- probably trying to start some kind of a franchise, but just petered out because it didn't work, you know, <laughs> well, for one reason or another. Well, supposedly there was a Hellraiser puzzle box in this, and I knew that every time I've watched it, but I haven't noticed it. Like, I, I've i seen it on the IMDb, but I haven't really... It, it's somewhere at the beginning, it's sitting on a table. No, I think it's actually when um, when they start to interview the, uh, the the older couple. Is it really? Yeah, well, that's I just read that on the IMDb. See, I need to uh, I need to look for that because all the other references I kind of caught on my own, mm-hmm. but that one I knew it was there and I still never caught it. Some of my favorite uh, things they talked about was like how he was saying, "You know how much cardio you have to you have to do. Oh, you have that. to do all this stuff, and and you have to make it look like you're walking." <laughs> you know, um, it's funny because even he when he goes out and does his research, it's like. It, it's almost like they've deconstructed every slasher movie, you know, not every, but most slasher movies, and kind of reverse engineered it to present a way to, you know, of uh, to say if they were to do some research, like, all right, we need our survivor girl, you know, and and uh, you need to, this is how you choose your victim, you know, you 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 have to, you know, do things like, for instance, sensory deprivation so you can control your body fluids. You know, and act dead and slow down your vitals, stuff like that. Um, my favorite one, though, was uh, when, when he... Tree how branches? I, well, uh, no, my, actually, my favorite one was when he, like, when the, he was so proud of himself because he found an Ahab, oh. you know, with Robert England, who obviously played, like, the Dr. Loomis type of uh, of uh, character and stuff. You know, it's just, it's, I mean, he was just so, like, stoked about it and, and uh, whatever. Um, also, I think probably the greatest thing about this movie is the fact that he acts like this is just like his job. This is what he does. You know, he even says, you know, we're, we're, we're the counterbalance to all that's good in the world, you know, but it's like, yeah, you know, I do this. And they ask, ask why? And they're like, well, this is just what I do. You know, it's kind of like somebody asked me, oh, I, you know, I go to work and whatever. I tell them what I do for my job and whatever. He just talks about it. Like it's that, you know, I think it's just having, you know, having that, uh, mindset about something that's just kind of you know brutal or whatever so out there i thought that's funny yeah i I mean i thought it was just so interesting and 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 it's kind of like when you ask a question that you are like really 
interested in getting an answer for and they look at you like, why do you think, dumbass, you know? <laughs> she she kept getting that look, you know, interviewing her. And I just thought, man, man, if she wasn't so irritating, you might be rude, but anyway. Wouldn't it seem like the cameraman had way more questions for Leslie than she actually did? Well, because, you know, those two, two guys are dudes and they're just, they were, they just seem to be more interested in the subject matter itself and not necessarily making a, uh, um, you know, a documentary so much. It's funny because, you know, it seems like they're just like trying to make buddies with this awesome dude who's gonna, who has a freaking kick ass job, you know? Oh, it was awesome, dude. I really like the fact that he shows them how he like pre cuts tree branches from, right. so when they try to escape on the top floor. Yep. Or he, uh, pulls spark plugs out of their car. Yep. He's like, it's hey, awesome. He, he tells her, he says, I got the spark plugs. I don't feel like getting run over tonight. And he laughs. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like it's just, you know, part of the, part of the job. Oh yeah, no, exactly. I don't want to get run over tonight. Exactly, you know, and that and that's the thing. That's I think that's the, the the biggest you know gag in the whole movie. It's just no, this is just what he does. No big deal. Oh, I, dude, I mean, this whole thing. I mean, from the the beginning where she's narrating and she's talking about you know all the the past movie killers, and then to the very end where it's the Talking Heads song "Psycho Killer." I oh, was yeah. I was completely just blown away by this movie i mean just i mean there i mean a hundred percent dude i i've heard the psycho killer song before and i just thought it was so dumb but i saw this and it was like oh this is the perfect song for this scene oh man i'm a huge talking heads fan <laughs> i'm not i'm not that big of a fan i love those but, guys all right <laughs> and girl um you know one thing we haven't even mentioned is that zelda rubenstein plays a uh, a librarian and one of the greatest parts in the whole thing is uh, when she did her scariest places on earth voice to tell the story of Leslie Vernon. I was confused and, about that though, uh-huh. because about? I had read that she did that voice, but in everything I've seen her in, that's her voice. Like, well, well, that's her voice. Except, but, but have you ever seen the scariest places on earth? Yeah, she just it just is it just makes it so obvious. It you know I don't know maybe she knows it, but I mean, like she talks it, a little I, slower. She talks slower and more deliberate, and okay. you know, she and she kind of restricts her voice just a little bit. I, I I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. I freaking loved that show back in the day too. That was cool. Um, I don't know. My the the, the movie was great. How he he kind of explained the plan. He saw the he, he saw the plan through. How it worked out and you know things like that. Um, the final uh, act of the movie, awesome. Was, was uh, kind of went from mockumentary to. Uh, okay, the, the the shit just got real type of deal. And the way they did it was awesome because I think, yeah. they, I mean, he was so much smarter than everybody, and it kind of showed at the end. Well, yeah, and then with the twist at the end too, it's like, you know, it, it's like, wow, you go back and you think about it, it's like, wow, you know. Basically, every t- everything he told them was, like, he basically told them how he works, and still nobody understood how he worked. You know, the thing is, is that's probably kind of a, a um, uh, kind of a, a rush when you're telling everybody how it works and and uh, how you execute things and stuff like that, and and uh, yet you still catch them off guard. You know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, this is awesome, awesome movie. Man, uh, I just did you uh, did you get any uh, what did you learn anything from this? Oh, uh, let's see. Um, well, yeah. yeah. I learned a shitload about how to be a slasher, man. <laughs> That's like any I, slasher movie, though, except for this one actually tells you in a like educational way. 
Well, listen, I didn't know they got into uh, sensory deprivation tanks, you know. I just thought that uh, they shit their pants. I actually thought that. No, I didn't. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know. I, I thought they maybe stopped in the woods somewhere to, you know, take a dump or I don't know. Never thought about it because I probably should have just said that and, and uh, skipped all the scatological references. <laughs> uh, th- yeah, that's about it. Oh, okay. I learned a few things. Okay. I learned that turtles are a great feng shui. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I learned serial killers drive Priuses. And I also learned that uh, it's not on. Un- it's not uncommon for virgins to bounce on the nerdy kids Johnson like a pogo stick. <laughs> like a pogo stick. <laughs> that was great. Um, yeah, that was awesome. The memory count on this was one. And it was... It was odd. Where it was, was like, it? Where was it? It was the scene where he's telling him how he's going to kill the girl and the guy in the basement. And it's very <laughs> fast. And her it's weird because they put so much emphasis on her nipples that they look almost rubbery. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, they they yeah, they look like uh like giant erasers or something. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, they're really weird. <laughs> I thought it was awesome. Um do you know who else said that? I am so perverted. Yeah, I did. Um, uh, you know what? I, I just, I was going to try to come up with, uh, who else said that for this, but it, it was funny. I, I couldn't really come up with anything, but I want the, the line is so funny. I want to mention it. There was, there was one part where the, the main girls wanted to get some help, you know, some, some help from the, the camera guys and they were going to, you know, it was risky. The big guy said, uh, man, she had to go and make that effing balls reference. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I just thought that was hilarious. That's when, uh, that's when they, she finally like grows a conscience at the van. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, the other, the last one I have is uh, she's empowering herself with cock. That was actually Lorena Bobbitt when she. Now, now get this, okay? <laughs> All you've been told is a lie. She actually, what happened in this situation was there was a burglar outside, and he was running down with some lady's purse. And she wanted to throw something at the burglar to stop him. Well, there was nothing in the apartment, so she used uh, her husband's dick. So she empowered herself with cock, threw it at the burglar. He fell over and was caught. So she's a hero. She's a hero. He actually got us sewed back on and did some pornos. Yeah, and and then he beat his girlfriend, so he's kind of an asshole. Um, no. Yeah, that uh, he probably had women issues after that. <laughs> well, I mean, I would say so, but I don't think you should beat up. Well, the woman you're beating up on didn't cut off your junk. <laughs> probably has post-traumatic stress syndrome, like he got back from Vietnam or something. Something like makes a noise in the middle of the night. <laughs> he grabs his junk and throws his fists around. That's all. S- sleeps with one eye open. <laughs> exactly. But uh, I have a few of them. Did, sure. that, did that sound forced? Too much like Diane Sawyer? That's Oprah after every taping. <laughs> uh, uh, you know what? I wouldn't know what that means because I, I don't even, I barely know who Oprah is. Yeah, I mean, she, she's right. someone. Uh, I go away for days, forget to feed them. Little bastards just won't die. That is Kate Gosselin. <laughs> I get those. You know what? I'm so glad that we always talk about her because I'm, I really understand those. I just can't stand her. Um, I, don't, I can't even. I don't even know what she looks like. And I'm going to repeat one you said. Okay. It's, it's deeply symbolic. She's empowering herself with cock. 
that was Morgan Freeman when he uh, narrated the Jenna Jameson biography for A and E. I don't know who that is. Morgan. Wait a Fre- minute. What? No, 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 no. Say that again, then maybe I missed it. <laughs> okay, that's Morgan Freeman when he narrated the Jenna Jameson biography for A and E. Jenna Jameson. Okay. No, that's good. Okay. I I didn't I used I didn't know that you said Jenna. Jenna Jameson. Thank you. I should have known. Cockhound. <laughs> oh man, did you get a kick in the balls for this? Uh, I did, but I was the main girl for being kind of annoying throughout. You know, um, I don't know. Maybe I think maybe the stoner guy. I didn't really pick one out, but maybe the stoner guy for saying, <laughs> standing in front of the killer and saying, "Oh man, I put the scarecrow in my my apartment or whatever." <laughs> it's kind of like, dude, you're gonna get slashed up. Oh yeah, and I got a six degrees also. Okay. Kane Hodder was in Waxworks 2 with Bruce Campbell. What? <laughs> what did uh, What did um, What did he play in Waxworks 2? Who? Bruce Campbell? No, uh, Kane Hodder. Oh, he was a stunt guy. Oh, dude, that's that doesn't count. Whatever. That's a good. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got another one. Okay. Hold on. Oh, hurry! Scramble to pick one. I'm just teasing, dude. No, Come I on, no, me. I got another one. Angela Gothels was at Home Alone with Macaulay Culkin. Who was in the episode of Robot Chicken called Dragon Nuts with Bruce Campbell? Wait a second. Angela Goatballs. Goatballs, yeah. Was in a movie. Okay, well, I'll, I'll take that too. That's all. Oh, I'm like, yeah, I'll accept that as well. You have, <laughs> you have passed the spelling bee. <laughs> That's awesome. I'll accept that answer. Anyway, what would you give this man? Um, you know, it's really close to a bone saw as well. Um, but I'll give it a high buy. Dude, Bone Saw. I give it a Bone Saw. Cool, man. Because I watch it a lot. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm gonna watch it again with the commentary because those two dudes are hilarious. Oh, I think you'll like it, man. Like it's cool. been a while since I watched it with the commentary, but I really liked it. Cool, man. Ah, those are three fun movies to talk about. Those are three fun movies to watch too. I mean, those are all really good. Oh yeah, dude. I, I and I like the fact that we were able to pick movies based on urban legend kind of stuff. Without yeah. having to go the route of, uh, of the urban legends movies themselves. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's cool, man. You know what you want to do the next episode, or uh, you know I haven't even thought about it. <laughs> should we leave everyone in suspense? We should. <laughs> All right, man. Cool. You got anything else? Uh, no, that's about it, man. Uh, I will put up some new Kruger Nations fairly soon, but um, I have a lot going on this weekend alone. I'm doing three podcasts, so. I uh, it's one of those things where I have to have time to edit. That is awesome, man. Through one of the one of the podcasts, should we find you on the douchecast? A douchecast tomorrow, and uh, last week I co-hosted the All My Heroes Wear Masks podcast. Okay, we cover Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part One and Two, and cool. This week I'm co-hosting with Tyler again, and we're doing parts three and four. That is some kick-ass stuff. And awesome. uh, yes, I mean it's going pretty well, and. Uh, Plugging the hell out of the cad- <laughs> the cadaver lab over there. Awesome. So, well, you should you should uh, you should have you should have returned the favor, man. Pl- oh, dude, man! You waited till the very end oh, to do that. I feel so bad about that. No, seriously, go to iTunes, type in "All My Heroes Wear, po- Wear Masks" podcast and uh, subscribe. Tyler's an awesome dude, and follow him on Twitter. He is Slipknot one twenty three. Um, go to I'm not sure if it's All My Heroes Wear. Masks dot, dot podbean dot podbean com. that's what it is dot com um, go there um, he he puts on a good show I mean the dude 
just fun to listen to. He's a, just a fun guy. And he always tries to start shit on Twitter. Oh, I love it, man. All, I'm you, just... it will, no, even with me, man. Like, like me and him were talking. And then it's funny because, uh, yeah, I mean, we're all friends. I mean, we, we all just joke around and stuff. But, yeah, he's he's really good about that, about just, just you know, poking a bear. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> he's poking Mike. <laughs> Whoa. <bear. laughs> Whoa. Listen, that is whatever we do behind closed doors in our bedroom is left up to ourselves. Dude. It's none of your business, okay? <laughs> Cool, man. Well, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, douche, look out for the douchecast for sure. Douchecast5k.com. Um, I guess so. That's it. Uh, the voicemail. And thank you so much, everyone, for the voicemails. 206 339 2730. That is 206 339 2730. So, uh, from the Cadaver Lab, we will see you, bitches. Bitches.